Welcome to As The Wheel of Time Turns, where we unravel the weavings of Amazon's Wheel of Time. I am Nye Bliss, and I'm joined by some of my chosen compatriots. Uh, first, we have Sarah. Hey, guys. And then Lee. Hey, everybody. And finally, Bree. Hi. Um, we have a number of segments that we do, started with a recap, um, and that'll be done by Lee, as this is his first time going through any of this content. Um, we are going to then follow that up by uh, Tavern of the Week, and I know my pronunciation is off, but this is how we pronounce it for 20 plus years, and so we're just going to commit to that, um, and that will be uh, hosted by Bree. Um, then we're going to do Gleeman's Corner, which is the best scene and uh, best quote of the episode. Then that'll be followed by Novice's Notes, which Lee will be doing some of the lifting there, probably a little bit of Sarah as we get a little bit further into uh, the, the episodes. And that will close out the first half of our podcast. We will be as spoiler-free as we possibly can. Um, obviously, we'll be spoiling the TV show because that's what we're reviewing. Um, then we're going to go on to part two, which is going to be uh, pretty heavy spoilery uh, in terms of the books and, and uh, where we think the TV show might be going. We have Reading the Pattern, which is where this fits, uh, the TV show fits into the larger narrative of the book. The Weft and the Warp, um, how things have diverged from the book and how we feel about that. And then finally, Disappointed Dark Friends, where we uh, troll the internet for all the haters that are complaining about all things in the TV show and how it's not the books and how they are, uh, this shatters their worldview. Um, before we get into all of that, uh, Lee has some housekeeping and some uh, promos for our other podcasts on Magnum Talks. Thanks, BJ, and thanks for joining us here on As the Wheel of Time Turns. This is a review podcast of Amazon's Wheel of Time series. Uh, I guess we're going to talk about the books too, but I'm really only focused on the television show because I am the newbie here and I will lead the recap. This is a Mangum Talks podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can always go to your favorite podcast platform. Heck, even the one you're listening to right now, type in Mangum Talks. That's M-A-N-G-U-M Talks. All of our wonderful content will pop up. We review a number of television shows, things like Game of Thrones, things like Succession. It goes on and on. A lot of fun stuff. So just type in Mangum Talks to your favorite podcast provider and all of our stuff will pop up. But I think that's it for the housekeeping, guys. Are you ready for the recap? I'm Everybody ready for the recap? Heck I'm yeah. so excited. Okay. All right. Yes. So I'm going to I'm gonna start by explaining that when I do the recap, I know nothing about this series. I understand there's some books, I've been told. Um, very popular. Uh, I know nothing about it. So I'm going to mispronounce names, names. I'm going to mess up segments. And as I do so... All of my fellow co-hosts here will stop and correct me as we're I go along. We're just snigger. But I'm really here just to sort of ride the horse as it were. Get it moving. So that's what we're going to start. This episode's called Leave Taking. Uh, we start with a voiceover by Moraine. Yep. Got yes. it? Yep. Wow. 100%. There we yep. go. Moraine. She says, many, many years ago. I'm not going to do her voice. Men with great <laughs> power could cage darkness itself. They failed. The seas boiled. And then shit hit the fan. Then the women of the Aes Sedai were left to pick up the pieces. This is a common theme I'm noticing in the show. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. Men generally fuck stuff up. Women generally make stuff work. Is that about the, the, I think you've the got tenor it. Yeah, of that's it? Yeah, I think you've pretty much. That's been like the last couple thousand years in this world. Okay, cool. Uh, the women remember one thing above all else. The man who brought the breaking of the world, they named him the dragon. Now, this guy has been born again, but he, I guess he's been born again like recently, right? Like mm -hmm. they somehow mm -hmm. they, they have some sort of insight, a yep. tip 
uh, somebody called the Aes Sedai hotline. Let them know. <laughs> About 20 years ago, it's Dragon was born. the eyes and ears. The eyes and ears is how they know? Okay. Aes Sedai, <laughs> eyes and ears. There we go. That's the hotline. Uh, and the dragon has been born. Uh, but we know this uh, for sure this child is coming out of age now, right? So mm-hmm. kid's about 20 and uh, got to find him. Moraine's very clear about that yep. because apparently this kid, tell me if I got this right, can stave off the darkness, can fight the darkness. The dark one's coming back and this is a, this is our prophet. This is our Christ-like character that can, that can fight this off. However, because this dragon has this power, dark one's after him too. Big, um, big or yeah. in this. Big yeah. or. I would say this is kind of uh, tapping into some similarities to Star Wars where there's a lot of power. It can kind of go over the, either way. There's a light side and a dark side, you know, similar themes. Right. So you got your Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. going forward and Moraine, Yoda, trying to find <laughs> our character, trying to go get the dragon uh, because all of these other people are after him too. Yeah. So that seems to be this set, right? Yes. All right, so we got to a scene with um, some Dothraki-looking fella. Um, what, why, what's the what's the name for these these guys that are all in the sort of garb? You know, the opening scene where the guys are running and then the women and the horses are chasing? Is there I, a name for I these people? It's like yeah. generic. Yeah. Yeah. So far, this yeah. is in the world. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is in a specific so, group. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right, so these are just guys. Um, they're being chased. Uh, they're, they're running. The women are on horseback, and the women have this red-violet cloak on, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man stops, looks at his friend, and the guy's like, look, you got to fight back here, dude. So he tells the ladies on horseback, look, don't hurt me. Um, I uh, I don't want to fight. I think my, my, buddy, my buddy here is saying, like, we, you know, you shouldn't hurt us. Anyway, the lady finally is like, who the hell are you with? He turns, he looks. Apparently, he's just completely fictionalized this person next to him. So he's seeing stuff. She says the madness has already taken him. I don't know what this means. I don't think we're supposed to know what this means. So Because I want to point out that... When you're watching this, this is an Amazon series, generally you can pause and you can look to see who the characters are, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can see the actors. Mm-hmm. This scene, they give you nothing. So I don't think they and really I don't think they really want you to know what the hell this is about. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's supposed to be this is a random guy. Um, and one of the things, I think it depends on where you pause in the scene, the uh, blonde haired Aesodai in the front. Uh, her name's Leandrin, and you do get that depending on where you pause it. So you do get that she is an ace to die, but that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. Um, she gets off horseback, tells him that what she's come there to do is a gift. Quote, this power, it's meant for women, women alone. And when you touch it, you mean some dude, you make it filthy. Typical man. Then she says, sisters, and they ball her fist, and there's this ring. And this dude straightened up and it looks like he's almost like electrocuted or something. Like something's run through his body. And then we get a hard smash cut to Moraine and not burying the lead here. My guy, my favorite character, Lane. <laughs> I haven't told anybody on the, on the podcast here yet. This is my favorite character, this guy, Lane. Mm-hmm. And it, well, I'm going to pause there. Anything we want to say about that opening scene, about the I Said I Sisters killing this dude? I think it's an interesting place. I know we're not doing like a book. TV show comparisons here, but it mm-hmm. is just an interesting scene to choose yeah. to start um, because it is entirely composed of either anonymous characters, like the anonymous guy slash yeah. potentially guys there, yeah. and these Aes Sedai that we do not see again in the series for a while. So like that is, okay. it's, it's an interesting place to start. It's not quite the like hard... 
it's not the hardest beginning they could have done, but it is it is a, a real interesting throw you into what's happening here. That is at least for the first episode completely separate from what we're what we're getting. Right, here. right. I, I think it is completely separate. And then the other thing that I think we get um, eventually is that this anonymous man is a male channeler, but that's not super clear. It's not super clear that he uses the one power. And I think that a little bit easier entry into the world building would have been nice. Um, and there are a lot of rumors on the internet and, you know, not spoilery at all, that this was a choice from some an, a higher up executive, that they wanted this open as opposed to a different one. And so this might be one of the reasons that it's a little bit jarring compared to the rest of the narrative of the show. So I do think the one of the things that is good about this open, although I don't like it in general, but one of the good things here is that I think it shows very explicitly the position of power that women have in this world. And then also that there is men that are going mad. And so we get that, that physical representation by the Mm -hmm. other dude that's there. That's not actually there. Um, And I'm excited to see where that goes going forward. So, uh, thanks, Bree. Uh, I, I think that, like, you can draw the parallel to Game of Thrones here, right? Because Game of Thrones starts with a similar type of scene in that yeah. um, it starts with a deserter from the wall, mm-hmm. and they catch him, and they behead him, and it, it's kind of apropos of nothing, but it's not, though, right? It establishes, like, a core rule of the world, which is you don't desert the wall. Here, just my dumb logic here, it seems like what they're doing is they're like, this whole scene was meant to get the get the viewer to hear this power it's meant for women and women alone and when you touch it you make it filthy that's what i feel like the whole thing is set up to do yes and yeah. you're 100 percent right um and i think that the comparison to game of thrones is probably perfect and i'm betting that somebody higher up was like oh we should have something yeah like sure that. yeah and, and so but like i like that's what you took away from it because i think that was one of the things that they were trying to do that i didn't know how well it would play to an audience that hadn't read the books yeah, thank you, BJ. Uh, Sarah? I think the other thing that this intro does that I hadn't really thought about until we're here we're here talking about it, but, you know, Lee, you said while we were watching the first episode how interesting it was that it really all stays in the same place. Like, we're not jumping around between different um, narratives yet. Like, it's very focused on one place doing one thing. But what I do think that this intro does, because it is doing something completely different, it does at least cue you into... There's a lot else going on in this world. We're not going to see it for a lot of this first episode, but like bigger forces are at work than like, what's happening in Just in know that it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so we cut to Lorraine and my guy Lan, and Lorraine's looking over a cliff and she says, it's not him. Lan's like, all right, so sure. And she's like, yep. <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay, well, where to next? And she goes, two rivers. Uh, Two Rivers, by the way, really sounds like a Lifetime movie. Like that sounds <laughs> sounds like just a little little small like place where some hunky guy has a cabin and he meets a lady. Um, it is pretty idyllic looking in the series. So there are rumors. This is a quote. There are rumors of four tavern tavern tavern. Ta- tavern. I'm gonna say tavern. I think they say tavern in the the show. Tavern. Yeah. Tavern. Whatever. In there, all the right age. So uh, basically, like four people, all mm-hmm. the right age. The old blood, old blood runs deep in those mountains. 
Let's hope it's prepared them for what's coming. Boom, and then Lorraine, land takeoff. You can see a great landscape shot of a river flowing into a mountain with a bunch of large rock structures in between. One thing I wanted to point out that they do in the show, I think really well, is they shoot on site. So it's reminiscent of Game of Thrones. It's reminiscent of Lord yeah. of the Rings. Less so stuff like Gladiator or 300 that's yeah. basically all CGI. Mm -hmm. They clearly spend a lot of money being on site. This scene, however, that I'm talking about, this is a digital like composite, right? So they go, but they fluctuate between being on site and then having stuff that, like, when you look at it, is very clearly not like yeah. the world. Because it has these huge jagged rock structures yeah. that clearly doesn't exist. So they're kind of going back and forth. I think yeah. it's, it's like a hybrid mm -hmm. in a lot of these mm -hmm. where it's overlaid on a lot of uh, scenery that they do have shot on scene. Um, but and, they did a good job with yeah. it. Like, it is gorgeously yeah. shot. They clearly... I will talk later about where they did not spend money in this show, but they did clearly put a lot of yeah. time, effort, money into getting the landscape right. Which makes sense, because I've been hearing since, like, Obama was president that they're making this damn show. So, like, <laughs> I think they've been, like, on site. I mean, and it takes a long time yeah. to do these. Like, because, yeah, yeah. It, like, they're in, like, hell, I don't know where they are, New Zealand or something. I think that's where they go. Hungary, Hungary, yeah. Hungary, Hungary whatever. Europe, but they're yeah. on site doing yeah. this, right? But this is kind of, the, if it's not a completely digital shot, it's a composite shot, right? It's something yeah. in between because, and you can tell, because there's these huge, like, um, large, like, jagged, like, rock structures, and then there's this river flowing between it, boom, to a town. This is two rivers. Then we get the shot of the logo. No sequence, no opening sequence here. Uh, if you've followed any of the review podcasts that I do on Mangum Talks, you know I'm a big opening sequence guy. Mm -hmm. was massively disappointed in this. <laughs> and then I was reassured via text that we would get an opening sequence <laughs> in episode two, three. So if you're actually following along with us and you've only watched episode one, hang tight. You will get an opening sequence, just not in this episode. Cut to what uh, I think is two rivers. And we see a lady leading what seems to be some sort of ceremony. She's telling the lady that the braid, so there's there's an older lady and a, and a younger a younger lady, woman, whatever, and the she's getting a braid, and it, this braid's very important. It connects her to the rest of them, I guess. Quote, we all stand with you as wisdom of the two rivers. It's my honor to welcome you to the wisdom circle. Okay. She then tells her to trust the river. She says, be strong, Egwene. 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 Egwene, Egwene. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So as I was doing this, I was watching it with my wife, Sarah, uh, who's another, who's the co-host here. And I kept calling her a Gweenie just because I was trying to mess with Sarah. <laughs> uh, really hope I don't slip into that because that's, that's a tough look. That's well, obviously not what it is. A so in the, in the fan, you know, online and such, a lot of people say eggy. So, Eggy, I like that. Okay. Even worse. Um, so, so she says... Immediately picked up on it, I would yeah. say. Eggy. So she Eggy. says, be strong, Aguine, and dumps her ass right over the cliff into the river. Uh, Aguine fights it for a while as the river carries her, but eventually flows with the river. And when she flows with it, everything seems to calm down. She's clearly floating on her back here. I don't know if anybody's a swimmer, but if you get tired when you're swimming, you got to do the flip yeah. to the back situation. Mm -hmm. Very smart move on Aguine's yeah. part. Uh, she ends up on the shore. One thing I want to notice about the shore scene is when she gets there, she's clearly tired. And they showed this by her falling sort of onto the bank uh, and onto the sand. Now, if you've ever done this before, 
who actually puts their face on the sand? I thought that was a strange move. Thing to she actually put her face and part of her lips on the sand. It's like, you're not that tired. You can't hold your neck up. Like, you I are going to be eating sand for the yeah. next week, though. I don't know where it keeps yeah. coming from, but Especially, it is going to stay in your mouth gross. for a week. Yeah. Especially, Especially from smooth. that braid. Oh, yes. oh yeah. yeah. It's all yeah. left That braid is staying there and it is full of sand. There's a lot of people who like kind of weirded out by saying, right, Lena, like being an alt- like, and yeah. the shot yeah. of her like cheek on it, I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, pretty gross. Uh, anything okay, you want to talk about about the braid sequence for Egwene and then being dumped in the river and flown down? I think we're going to talk a lot more about braids yeah. eventually, but that's pretty straightforward. Yep, there'll be stuff in the second half that we'll probably mention um, callbacks to the book, but uh, I think you got it. Okay, cut to the Lord of the Dread Fort, Lord Bolton. Uh, no, so. <laughs> I'm going to struggle with this guy. Here's the thing. All right. So the guy who plays Tam mm-hmm. is also, was also in Lord of the Rings. He played Lord Bolton, the son of a bitch who cut out the heart of my main man, the true king of the North, Rob Stark. Uh, had a lot of negative. Thrones, not yeah. Lord of That's what I meant. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones. Lord Bolton. Uh, I have like strong Pavlovian reaction to this character. <laughs> And they have to know that there's a massive amount of crossover. So yeah. I guess my thought here is they've got to be careful about casting too many Game of Thrones alums. Like, I think that's a very delicate thing they have to do. Yeah, here. Mm-hmm. I think that he's just a really good actor. And a tiny bit of a spoiler, I think he's going to be playing a very different guy. This is going to be a much more wholesome dude. And so I, there, I don't think that there's going to be as much of a crossover there where it's just like... Okay, they're leaning a little bit too much into this uh, slight, kind of evil, you know, very edgy character. So, I, but I, I think, think, well, they have to be careful that they don't get that visceral response, right? Yes. Yeah, by like completely ch- changing all of these. Yeah, like maybe you can get past it on this one. Yeah. One individual character. Yeah, and Game of Thrones did that, right? Because mm-hmm. they casted Sean Bean for Eddard Stark yeah. that was mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings. And everybody was like, ah, you can't do that. I'm always going to be thinking about whatever his name is from Lord of the Rings. It worked, right? Yeah. It worked in yeah. Game of Thrones. It'll work here if the actor's good. But my just initial thought was just got to be careful with too much of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's talking to his son, Rand. Uh, seems like a little bit of a pithy character, this Rand. Uh, yeah. Sort of bugged me in the first couple episodes. 100% with the books. Yeah. And he's telling the story about his mother. I'm, I'm taking it the mother's dead. Yes. Right. Okay. Mentioned she could drink a lot. Is this why she's dead? Is this no. She was... Uh, oh, could she drink? It's like, very, she's dead. Like, they're fleshing out a little bit of some of the characters that weren't as much fleshed out in the books and this is sort of like just some color. Okay. Some color. Lady could hold her liquor, apparently. Rand hears something, pulls out a bow and arrow. I thought that was important detail, right? We, we see immediately, mm-hmm. weapon mm-hmm. of choice, bow yeah. and arrow for Rand. They think it's wolves. Quote, something, this is Tam talking, quote, something's been pushing them down from the mountain. Okay? So, again, like, so I think in this early, these early sequence, we're getting a lot of something's amiss. Something's a little off mm-hmm. here in Two Rivers, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like our first indication of it. The wolves are being driven down from the mountain. Tam tells him he was real young when they let him out when we, we let you out in the woods, right? You being yeah. Rand, we let you out in the woods. And you would pick berries for a queen. So, dude, All right. making moves early. <laughs> yes. Rand, Rand when one woman doesn't want to be wooed with berries, I say. Rand jokes that he used to be a real sap, but he clearly liked the story. And mm-hmm. what I think you're getting from this is two things. One is Rand had an eye for a queen 
early on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two, Rand, Tam, good relationship, father-son, good relationship. Cut to two rivers, and we get folksy fantasy music. Da, 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 and everybody's having a good time. Uh, the, I want to point this out about two rivers. Uh, I know that they spend a lot of money in the show. I am I'm generally a fan of what I've seen in the first few episodes. I like this episode. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to trash it. Yeah. I felt like the scene, the the what we saw of Two Rivers made it look very small. It looked like there was maybe 10 homes in this thing. And that doesn't jive for me as someone who's just being introduced to the world because later in this episode, it's very clear people know what Two Rivers is. Like, Moraine knows what it is. Land knows what it is. They mention it. Other people know what it is. If it's 10 homes, it, it's hard for me to believe that it would be that well-known. It, it feels like maybe in an effort to get a courtyard, they've made the scene or the set a little bit smaller than maybe I would have envisioned it. What What are your thoughts, Sarah? I mean, it is supposed to be a very small place, but I do think that it... I do think they skipped on how many, like, just houses and structures were there in the first place. And it's a little bit of a mismatch, too, with... Um, you know the uh, the hotel that we get <laughs> yeah, the inn the, the end. thank you um, that 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 is even there and then how big the Beltine Festival is later in the episode it, there's just a little I think you're a right, little there's a little mismatch. bit of a mismatch I would have thought maybe maybe thirty to forty structures yeah there. Like, right Brie what'd you think. Well, so I guess my thought would be I, you could probably play it off as there are outlying mm-hmm. hamlets or little areas where people are living Homestead that are not exactly and... right in the town. But I agree, the little, mismatch. Little urban sprawl? Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's some suburbia out there in the yeah. wilds. Okay. Two rivers, um. Red State. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are probably not wrong. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah. we see that later with Rand and Tam when they go to their home. Yeah, it's kind of up out. in the mountain yeah. a right. little bit. All right, so that makes right. sense. Maybe what we're seeing is just the just the, the city center, center. Yeah. just right. the revitalized downtown with the new arts district <laughs> with a lot of like gastro. There's and a stuff. there's a two yeah. rivers walk. Okay, there. exactly. <laughs> and and so um, I mean that, that's really what it is. And I think this is sort of one of the spots where you know, having read the books, you get a little bit more of a background, but. I, but the other side of it is, I think, and we'll get to it a little bit later in the recap, they they do things to this town that make it so that all of the set work that they did isn't going to be carried through so much in some later episodes, which is sure. m- m- why they might have uh, skimped on the budget, done their best to like yeah minimize. Make this isn't choices. King's Landing. We're not getting in season seven. Okay, no. yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, so here's the second thing I learned about Two Rivers. Is mm-hmm. they are drinkers. Thought of being thought of drinkers in oh, yeah. Rivers. Mm-hmm. We see a lady deliver a drink to Rand who is listening to a guy named Matt. We're gonna go ahead and dress it. And now the guy who plays Matt, my understanding is he gets recast later. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I've yeah. After right. season one. He's after a new season. Person. Oh, so it is after Sometime one, in season two. Him. He might be in some of season two that part okay. isn't exactly clear, but yeah, he's being right. recast. Okay. And so for everybody who freaks out about that and doesn't like it. I will offer this as someone who has intaken a lot of media in my life and a lot of television shows. <laughs> get over it. It'll be fine. <laughs> it, it's ju- it will be fine. Just when the new guy comes on the screen, just accept that it's Matt. So right now we have this Matt, and he's gambling and losing. Mm-hmm. He's uh, playing some dice game, not looking good. He even tries to gamble when he's broke, which his friends help him out with that. So this is a bad sign here from my guy. Perrin uh, is a, a, another character here, seems to be in the four. He's sitting down, um, talking to the rest of them. Perrin is married. 
and Rand is pining over a queen. So they're kind of having like a sit around, like guy chat, just mm -hmm. some guy stuff, you know? Yeah. Perrin reports that down in Turn Ferry, did I got that right? Terran Ferry. Terran Ferry. Terran Ferry, yeah. a bunch of soldiers and mercenaries are there headed south. Another, ding, right? Second part yeah. of this episode, shit's happening. Things are, things are going. So mm -hmm. apparently there's a bunch of soldiers, boom, headed south. They said there's a war in Gelden. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Gaudian. I, I, I pronounced it Gaudian when I was reading it, but I think they're doing Gelden. Gelden? Okay. There's a war in Gelden. Matt says, who cares about Gelden? He gives a crap. <laughs> Matt asks him to play again, and they're all like, dude, you need to stop playing. Like, seriously, this is a problem. And then they, uh, they, they, Matt, when they say, dude, you can't play, he says, okay, cool. And he goes over to a character named Danya. And she's got a really nice looking bracelet on. <laughs> looking looking schnazzy. A little, little linger on the bracelet from the camera. Egwene walks in and they all cheer her. So whatever she did in the river with the braid and the whole thing, it's important in this town. Big deal. Yes. Yeah, big okay. deal. And I think her dad owns the bar. Is that right? Yes. yes. The inn. Yeah. In the yeah. Uh, inn is gracious. <laughs> this is the fucking Oktoberfest tent. Yeah. Uh, the dad greets her. Everybody's really happy. She's going to go to work, I guess. And her mom's like, no, no, no. You come with me. You drink today. That was Actually, about, that, that was, was not her. her mom. That wasn't her mom? No, it was another townsfolk, Dave okay. Conger. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so, well, that would explain it, right? Because this person comes over and says, you drink with us today. And about 15 seconds later, she's working. So, <laughs> yeah. that shit yeah. didn't last. No, the mom's like, uh, uh actually. Yeah. All right. BJ? Yeah. I was going to say, so, I, I don't know if they'll go into this, but this is, uh, one of the people in the families that are um, bad influences in the town, you might say. And so, like, that's a, a fun nod to uh, the books. Awesome. Okay. Uh, cut to the evening. Thunder is rolling. Egwene is now working, handing out stuff. She looks at Rand, but doesn't come over. Uh, Rand and her are doing this little, like, um, little dance. Mm -hmm. They're not... Tension. Well, they yeah. What's going on? Perrin walks over and asks Rand how a Gween ceremony went, but he says, I haven't talked to her yet. Lan walks in and... <gasps> hush goes over the crowd. <laughs> little okay corral situation. Lan had a tumbleweed come with him as he walked in. <laughs> yeah. Walked into the Oktoberfest tent. And he names himself as Lan Mondragana. Mandragoran. Mandragoran. Len Mondragoran, and he introduces Moraine. The Wisdom tries to greet her. The Wisdom jumps out in front, and mm -hmm. uh, the wisdom, Wisdom's name is Naidunamnimya. Yeah, you can all of the book readers. Holy shit, that's a yeah. hard name to say. What I, is it? Nynaeve. Nynaeve, yeah. okay. Uh, so Nynaeve jumps out, who is the Wisdom in this. So here's, here's what I'm piecing together about this whole Wisdom thing, is Two Rivers is kind of a backwoods town. Yep. And... Nynaeve can tap into some sort of power. We'll learn about that later. But her understanding of it is folksy at best. It's not real strong. So, like, she's kind of like the town, like, soothsayer. You yeah. know, you have something wrong with you, Nynaeve will come help you. Uh, if you need, you know, what my future hold? She might, like, bridge tarot cards or something. Like, but it's not super sophisticated is my understanding of Nynaeve. Yeah. Which would explain... Moraine blow right by Nynaeve. There wasn't even a handshake. There was nothing. She just walked right by her and said, hey, I'm going to need two beds important because I just always, I just assumed her and Lan were a thing. 
like a romantic thing. Mm-hmm. As soon as I uttered that in my household, Sarah immediately told me that was incorrect. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. That's not the nature of the relationship between Moraine and Lan. And so they establish it's a two-bed situation with yes. these yes. two characters. Yeah. Yes. And Despite a bath scene later, it is well, two-bed situation. Uh, we'll get to but the bath yeah. scene. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But like, it, it is two yes. beds. She also needs fresh linen. Moraine, yeah. high thread count for Moraine. She just play around. <laughs> yep. She don't is a me, lady. I, yes. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want old linens, all right? And they say, okay, that's good. Uh, the innkeeper says, I'll handle it. But what's interesting in this scene is that when Moraine comes in, super big hush over the crowd, we establish that there are some sort of like super powerful women in the opening scene, so you mm-hmm. can kind of make the connection to Moraine there. We learn later these are the Aes Sedai. And she's got a ring that everybody notices, and people seem pretty scared of her. That's mm-hmm. that's kind yes. of what I picked up from that scene. Yep. Yep. Sarah, any other thoughts about the, the introduction of Moraine to Two Rivers? Nope, I think that's, I mean, that feels right to me. Yeah. I don't uh, think I have anything to add to Anybody that. else? I guess I I would comment in a, it, it felt a little bit cheesy the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I've come around to it, mm-hmm. but it's a little aggressive as an opening, like, Introduction to Moraine. Do 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 do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like very much like that. The silence was. I felt like a little bit much, and I'd I'd say for those of us that have really consumed like all the teasers and trailers and things like that, I think that that poorly colored the perception of this intro. And I think like having watched it, uh, intro of Moraine, having watched it a little bit more, um, and just with a, a little bit more of a tabula rasa, I feel like it, it has grown on me. Yeah, yeah, I do think that it's, if you come at it without prior knowledge, I think this is another thing that the showrunners are doing to make the whole narrative more accessible to people who have not read the books before. Right, right? this is a, a and Lee, yeah. you can speak to that more, I guess, but like to me, it was like, we need to establish now and early on what... A, how strange it is that um, that outsiders come to Two Rivers in the first place. But specifically, I think, how Aes Sedai are perceived in Two Rivers and, by extension, towns, small towns like Two Rivers. Yeah. Right. They're, they're fearsome. Yeah. yeah. And that's obvious, right? That, that, we get that. Maureen goes to the fire. She noticed everyone in the bar looking at her. People seem at best weirded out. Perrin mentions she looks normal. This is a conversation Perrin and Rand are having. And Rand's basically like, shut, you don't know what she can hear. So that's yet another thing of like, mm-hmm. wow, she's got some powers and we're not quite sure what it is. Yeah. Uh, Rand, quote, in the stories, they say an Aes Sedai can turn a battle on her own because he's saying she's headed to war, basically. They're, they're, they're thinking that whatever's going on in the South, she's mm-hmm. probably headed there because Aes Sedai's, who knows, they can, they can wield power. The wisdom, Nynaeve, so she doesn't care where she's going. She just wants her ass gone. So while Nynaeve was the first one to jump out in front and say, hey, let me introduce you, and she got the blow by, she doesn't seem to like that Moraine is there. Not at all. Uh, Nynaeve asks where Layla is and posits she's probably at the forge. Iron is hard working alone. This spurs uh, Perrin and he takes off. We learn later Perrin married to Layla yep. and Layla... Hard worker, like just a just a worker. Get, gotta give her some credit. Mm-hmm. Everybody else fucking around drinking and stuff. She's down there just making iron and stuff. Like this Layla, I like her. But also a little weird that that everybody's celebrating and she just like. Well, somebody's gonna run the town. I mean, shout out to her. <laughs> sure. Yeah. She's working those Amazon hours. Yeah, I did. there you go. <laughs> so Amazon she's going put that for a promotion. In. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's getting that twelve bucks an hour. 
Perrin gets to Layla uh, and sees her working as a smith. He tells her they are saying she didn't even go to the ceremony. So this is to your point, BJ. It's a little weird. She's down there mm-hmm. kind of being antisocial. Perrin says he loves her and she says, I know. Important here is when he embraces her, he grabs her stomach. I think she's pregnant. Is that is that correct? We have no idea. theories about that, but no one knows. Okay. Um, cut to Matt outside. He comes across his mom outside who is thinking drunk. And she's watching her husband flirt with another woman about 30 feet away. Mm-hmm. Real white trash situation we have ourselves here. <laughs> Not good. She makes a drunken lunge at him. Uh, I don't know. If you've ever been around a bunch of white trash people, this shit happens all the time. Mm-hmm. They're at a bar. I'll kill real. you. Like, and he's over <laughs> yeah. there and he's yeah. flirting with another woman. It's a complete fucking disaster. Matt stops her, takes her home. We also see that Matt has some sisters. Looks like two sisters. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. They ask, Maddie, is mom sick again? So there you go. That's all we need to yeah. know. I think we have an alcoholic, which is uh, Matt's mom. She tells him, you're going to be just like your dad. I know it. Damn prick like him. So she's just a peach, this lady. <laughs> but she's saying to Matt, like, you're going to be like your dad. And, like, you know, Matt, we have seen some, like, already sketchy behavior from him, like, yeah, 15 yeah. minutes into this. Yeah, so, like, yeah. it, it, it might track a little bit, mm-hmm. right? But that's kind of what we see there is Matt doesn't come from a super stable, great home life. Yeah. Nope. And I really appreciate in this scene that his sisters, so they, they aren't supposed to have a great home life, and his sisters are quite dirty. Mm-hmm. And I think that really highlights, like, this is a, you know, sort of accurate sequence of events. Like, they're not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Dad's out on the town. Mom is drinking. Especially when the rest of, like, the rest of the context that we're seeing is actually that the rest of clean. the town is, is a clean well dressed but also you know it is festival time so right. everybody's putting forth more effort too and that's right. not what we're getting with this family right that might have been the effort from the mom it yeah. might have been yeah she's i mean you know she's a drinker so who knows i think we also uh get the line uh who's looking after the girls and so with from that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. when he he asks his mom and so this is where we start getting a little bit more of an introduction of how protective Matt is of his, uh, sisters. his younger sisters. That is his, his, other than gambling, which he doesn't seem to be able to control, his prime mover is what is happening with my sisters. Yeah, like, and he says, you'll sleep with me tonight, not yeah. mom and dad. So yeah. we have like a little bit of the wire situation where Wallace, yep. taking care of the little kids, yep. handed them like, you know, bag of chips and a juice box as they leave. Yep. That's what Matt's yeah. doing. Yeah. We're down cats. to the one bag of juice and the one... Yeah, that you share with <laughs> yeah. your sister. Then we cut back to the bar. Gleen's mom is telling her that they need to stay away from the war. That's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Quote, war is just fools killing other fools for foolish causes. This seems to be like a sort of the night's over. They're, they're picking up the dishes mm-hmm. and they're just kind of, you know, spitballing, chatting. Tam says that the Aes Sedai don't fight wars. They just pull the strings from their white towers. So you get more like coloring in that they don't, town folk don't know a lot about the Aes Sedai other than they're powerful and we're kind of scared of them. Basically, they're, um, we are, we're also establishing that they're uncomfortable that the guys that I are there. Rian then says to Egwene that she's been avoiding him. He asks her how it went today. She says she can't talk about it. But he says, look, I don't want you to like, tell me all the specifics. Just yes or no. Like, was it good or bad? And she's like, it was good. So a lot of tension between these two characters. She turns around and whoop, he kisses her. Goes right in for the move. Rian, this is clearly a, like some sort of relationship that they have there, uh, but it's not... Super defined. It doesn't seem. I'll tell you this. Apropos of nothing. I'm always astonished in these scenes and in these types of shows. These people have to have terrible smelling breath. 
I thought about this multiple times over the course of these three episodes. There's a scene later where Rand is sleeping and Egwene um, comes face and lays down right in the face. Right? And I was like, oh, you have been, mm, you've been traveling for days and God knows what you're eating. And like, oh God, this is, ooh, you Whoa. are too, oh, your noses and mouths are too close to each other right now. What are we doing? <laughs> so this is my question. When you're in this type of world, mm-hmm. not a not a Listerine bottle in sight, why the hell do they still kiss? Like I don't, I would, I think I would just move away from that. I would just hug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no kissing anymore. Yes. I, I think that as a, a, a scientist in the world, I guess people just get used to smells, and you just like learn to ignore it. That's like, what I've heard. Is that when once, everybody has bad yeah. breath, nobody has bad exactly. breath. Exactly. Yeah. But I will say, uh, a a the most minor spoiler you will ever have for any book there is in like book seven or eight listerine uh no, <laughs> but, like intense focus on oral hygiene from a couple of the characters and they talk Oof. about brushing their teeth like every single night and maybe every single morning i don't remember because it's been a really mm-hmm. long time since i read those bj books. hit that word oral uh, and i cringe is where the fuck are we going here? <laughs> <laughs> spoiler is this? No, no. Um, explicit podcast. And, and, just and hygiene. Yeah, they talk about you know being really good about brushing their teeth all the time, and mm-hmm. it was just such a funny uh, little offshoot, um, and never addressed again. <laughs> um, so they could have really surprisingly good. I don't think they uh, do. These people look pretty grungy. Rand tells <laughs> her the story that his dad told him. So his dad really supplying the line here. Nice, mm-hmm. nice slide mm-hmm. move from Tam, telling him. Look, hey, my dad told me that when I was really young, I used to like pick berries for you, like I was some sort of like star-crossed lover kid, like really lame. You know, he tries to like play it off, <laughs> and then he pulls a berry out from his pocket. Bang! Solid move here for my guy. Uh, cuts to Lorraine and Lan. They get into a bath. The scene you were talking about, Sarah. So they do ba- bathe together. Now, this seems weird to us, obviously. Back then, I don't think it was quite as weird. We did get a scene in Game of Thrones where Jamie and mm-hmm. Brienne bathed together. Mm-hmm. I think it would just be like my my interpretation of this is in that world. I mean, the idea of a bath. Moraine even mentions it. She's impressed they even have such a yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty rare. They probably if they're traveling together, they probably have to share quarters a lot. Probably isn't always a two bed situation. Have to change mm-hmm. in front of each other. I would think some level of nudity around each other is not uncommon for friends. And we do right. find out later that like this would have been weird for like two rivers people to have done this. Um, there are extended meditations later in the books, and this is not like spoilery, and I don't even know that they're going to go into it in the show. But like there are extended meditations later on in the book uh, from Rand, I think, who's like super weirded out that he's mm-hmm. in a place where. People do men and women particularly do go to the baths so I, together. So I got. Like, yeah. I took two. Yeah. Thi- I, so two things I'm gonna just throw out there. One is it seems like Moraine and Lan not romantically involved, right? No. However, right. however, they are close, very, very close. Whatever yes. role he has to be with her is maybe even more sacred than like the husband and wife. I, I don't know yet, but they're very important. Picking it Perfect. Up. Yes. Okay. You're picking up what they're putting down. Absolutely. And the second thing um, I wanted to point out here is that it does seem like the Aes Sedai are not sexualized. Like, I'm not quite sure Moraine's like at the bar late at night, like trying to pick up. She seems to have a higher purpose than than, than like sexual conquest. So I'm not sure that we're going to, this is my guess here. I'm not sure we're going to see Moraine in a lot of romantic situations. I think what they're setting up is 
boss ass bitch type situation. She's going to use homes to throw at your face. Uh, spoiler for later <laughs> in the episode. And don't even worry about sexualizing this character. She's just a boss. Talking about that, yeah, I, I pretty much. wanted to jump in and, and put a little bit of a bow on the last scene because Brie had one of the, my favorite lines that she has dropped for a really long time on the end of the last scene. So For, for our listeners, Brie has no idea yeah. what BJ's talking yeah, about yeah, at this moment. So, so, I'm so very Rand confused. Rand offers uh, Egwene uh, the berry from his pocket, and she says, has that been in your pocket all, all day it. long? And kind of like shies away from it. And Brie goes, well, I have something else that's been in my pocket for all day that you there might you want. There you go. Yep. Okay. And they're there just like, is. all right. Yep. Is that a berry in your pocket? You happy to see me? Yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, She's yeah. willing to take one, but not the other. They do. They clearly do go off to have sex. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So Moraine, Lan in the bath, talked about that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Lan says to her, could be warmer. And she's like, well, isn't it nice that they have it? And he's like, could be warmer. <laughs> and she goes, okay. So she uses a little funny hand thing. So here's what I take about the funny hand thing. Basically, you, I'm doing the move here. that You can't tell it's the audio. audio but it basically, almost like you're shining a ball that's not in your hand. So you're just moving like your hand around like in a sphere type way. That's what I'm seeing from her right now. I, I'm sure there's tons of stuff about this in the books, but that's what she's doing. She does something, warms the water up, lands like, thank you. Like, if I'm going to fucking be running around with some goddamn <laughs> Yoda-like character, at least you can use the Force every once in a while to help me out. <laughs> Land then says, uh, do you think she's one of them? Basically asking if one of the kids we're seeing is the dragon, and Moraine seems to think so. Now, I don't, at this point, we don't know how Moraine is able to tell if these kids yeah. are the dragon, not the dragon. What we do know, though, is that she seems to have some bit of confidence that she can tell when she's in general proximity to it. Not, She's not able to pinpoint it exactly. If she was, she'd just snatch the kid up and leave. But she can't do that. She just thinks it's one of the four. I don't think we're supposed to know more than that right now. Yep. That is fair. Yep. Okay. Cut back to Egwene and Rand. Woo-hoo! Just did the deed. Did the dirty. First sex... First sex scene happened off camera. First sex scene of the show. He asked her, what happened today? So like, which said sex. Now you, come on. Now you can tell me about this little braid situation. And she says, look, Nynaeve asked me to be a wisdom. Uh, seems that being a wisdom would have big implications for their relationship. Because it seems like it's almost like some sort of like monastery type thing. Like when she becomes a wisdom, she's almost like swearing off men for the rest. It's like a nun, except like powerful or something. Definitely swearing off men, though. He doesn't seem to like that. Typical guy immediately starts the counter-argument. Well, it could be a lonely life. <laughs> you might not like it. Pay's not good. Yeah, here's long hours. You know, he's just, like, throwing stuff in there. Anyway, he walks off. Boom, another rift in their, their relationship. Cut to the outside, and we see what we learned to... I'm not even... I'm not bearing the lead. I'm just going to call it. It's an eyeless. Yeah. Yeah. This mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Or a fade. Um, which I would shout out to another podcast I do with uh, BJ and our, our buddy Spencer. Uh, Mangum Reads. Pottering Around. Mangum Reads. Part of the, or it's in Mangum Reads. Uh, Lee's immediate reaction to seeing the eyeless is, oh, it's Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. It looks, like, I mean. it looks like Voldemort. Or if you're a Star Wars person, it looks like the cl- the people who clone people in yeah. episode two. Yeah. Uh, it's some combination of that, but there, there's no the eyeless, no eyes. 
Mm-hmm. Does seem to have like shark teeth though. Like when that thing opens its mouth, there's like that was way, real impressive. Rows I was of not teeth. expecting that. Rows of teeth. Was, I don't remember if they were described like that in the books or not. If I just passed They're over, not. it. wow, is that creepy as all get out? Yeah, they well, lead a little bit more into the horror uh, yeah. aspect of it, which I, I think is I'm a fun. good yeah. choice. Yeah, it wasn't from at least from the first book, and I, but it wasn't super clear what they looked like. I am very happy yeah. with this representation. Well, and I think this is really cool because before he opens his mouth, you can be like, okay, creepy dude, but no eyes. But still sort of human. Yeah. And then the mouth opens and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Full stop. BJ? They're supposed to inspire fear. And that's like one of the (laughs) things in the books. And so like, how do you translate everybody feeling that way with just a look? And I think they just nail it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. scary. The look of the eyeless is fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, well, it did that. I thought shit was going down, but apparently he's going to give them one more day. They get one more day. <laughs> Cut to the next morning. Tam is out early eating breakfast. Typical old guy up early at the diner <laughs> getting a bite. Mm-hmm. Egwene's feeding him. Tam explains that Rian left early. He, he left out of here early. He's doing. He's off doing his work for the day. A merchant pulls into town. Matt comes up, tries to sell the bracelet that we fed. He just <laughs> stole the bracelet from that girl he was with the night before. And he's trying to sell it, but the merchant rightly points out, like, am I going to be able to sell this here? And he's like, well, obviously not. I stole it from somebody. He knows Matt pretty well. They finally settle on a price point. I think I think the merchant probably undercut him a little bit here as discount mm-hmm. prices for the bracelet. And we basically figure out this guy, Matt, while he is friends with Egwene and Perrin and Rand, is a gambler, also a thief and has a very unstable home life. So yes. a lot going on with this Matt character. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do point out, though, because I think, you know, the peddler says, well, this will be enough to to get lanterns for your sisters. Yes. And so the, the yeah. goal, like the reason that he desperately wanted some something to sell to the peddler to get money is to be able to get Beltine lanterns. It all comes back to his sisters yeah. mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get, we'll get to the lantern scene and that, that I'm probably going to break kayfabe a little bit here and just request some book knowledge on the lantern thing. Cause they don't really explain it that well. I get a sense you probably, you guys probably understand it. Nope. Well, okay? well yeah, that's sort of like a, they put that in to explain some lore. Yeah. And just, it's not. I mean, I can guess what it is, but they don't really say. Yeah. I think we're all, we we can all. Okay, so the books, I don't even know. Okay. Cut to Moraine and Land. They're walking around, and Moraine calls out that Land didn't sleep because he thinks that Annihilus is there already. Quote, then we both have more, quote, then we both have work to do today. Mm -hmm. Right. So what she's saying is, like, you didn't sleep. You sense the danger that we're in. If we are in that danger, then we really have a lot of work to do today. Which, I'm not quite sure what work she's talking about. It seems to me all you have to do is just convince four kids to go on a road trip. Like, that's all the work she's got to do. <laughs> about work. Like, you can do that before breakfast, Moraine. Why are you fucking around until night? So, I think this is uh, harkening back to the very beginning of the episode where she's trying to find people of the right age. And so, fig- why are you giving me weird looks? I'm anyway, not. so... I'm uh, listening of, to of you. the right age. And so she thinks that there are people there. She needs to figure out who they are because I I think it isn't quite clear which one, like who the people are. And so they need to do that first. We know because like it's obviously focusing on characters. What 
That's a very fair point. That is a really good point, BJ, because she does give <clears throat> this sort of like questionnaire to Nynaeve later and figures out that maybe she's a little too old. So we'll get to that scene. But you're, you're right. I think she probably senses the dragon's there, but she doesn't know the exact people. So that's yeah. the work to be done that day. And we do get a quick scene where she's staring out of the window and the wine spring yes. in, like really checking out the three three uh, yeah. main guys talking mm-hmm. to each other. Mm-hmm. And so... Yep. And we, we get that yeah. here. So cut to, cut to Rand, who's sitting alone. Aguin pulls up next to him, does the slide. He says uh, when he's up there, he thinks about his life in two rivers, the house he'll build, the wife he'll have. Aguin starts to grimace at that one. My kid's running through the woods. So they're having the conversation here, basically like, look, I'm trying to build a life. I'm trying to get serious. And she's like, eh. anyway, wasn't that last night? I don't want to run the last other way. Real, a lot of fun, wasn't it? And she inhales, she starts to say, I'm going to, and he says, I know, I know, I know already. Typical guy, right? Like, doesn't even let her finish the sentence. Mm-hmm. Gonna mansplain her own future to her. Look, I already know what you're gonna be doing. He then pulls, puts his arm around her, and she starts to cry. So, moral of this scene, he wants to stay in two rivers. He He's a townie. Mm-hmm. He wants to stay there, raise, raise a family. Mm-hmm. She maybe wants to stay in two rivers, but she wants to be this mystic creature called a wisdom. And that means a life of no men. So this uh, this is here this hearing the wind thing uh, that she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be pretty nice, right? Because you're giving up giving up like sex and relationships and kids mm-hmm. and stuff. So there's got to be some draw to the idea of being a wizard. Right. There's got to be some pull there for well, for a queen. And I think too one of the things we didn't talk about um, when we were first talking about naive offering to train. Egwene in being a wisdom is that like a wisdom to my understanding too is also kind of a political figure in the town like there's right. power associated yeah. I would with say that like a real, lot of power tangible in the world in the village power okay. kind of like yeah. parish priest yeah. kind of thing where you know they're not in you know maybe the main political structure but like they're probably the most powerful person in town everybody listens to them priest yeah. is a good one I yeah. like that yeah. right and I think this shows really well. It sets up Egwene's character very nicely, and it shows that she's very ambitious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she is like, I could be wisdom. Mm-hmm. I can be this, like, big fish in a little pond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with this. And we'll, Scrap we'll my see. boyfriend. Let's right. do that. And we'll see even in these episodes going forward, but she leaps at every opportunity that is presented right. to her that is something new and different and, and perhaps a step up. So and, wise choice. Yeah, and I think it's important that we establish that what Rand is looking for is a wife and kids, right? Because yeah. they are young. And my dumb mind was like, well, if she she can't have a like a husband, who cares? He can keep sleeping with her sort of like on the side. That that they cut that off, right? Because they yeah. establish that what yeah. he really wants is a, is a big relationship. He's ready to build yeah. A yeah. Cuts yeah. to Nynaeve and she's cleaning up a pool. Moraine comes in and is basically like, hey, it's supposed to be a big deal in this town to clean up people's like pool water. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> she's like, look, it's an honor. And Moraine's like, yeah, sure it is. Nynaeve fires back. Um, and then they have a chat about when Nynaeve was dropped off in the town. She says that the woman who raised her went to the White Tower when she was 13. Oh, when Nynaeve was 13. And that's when she figured out she could hear the wind. When the when the old wisdom was thirteen. Yeah. Although the old wisdom went when she, she was thirteen. Went, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She wanted the old wisdom thought she was going to be an Aes Sedai. Right. Okay. All right. And get trained. Yeah. All right. Old yeah. wisdom uh, left when she was thirteen. Thought she'd be an Aes Sedai. Uh, here's a quote: When she got there, your sisters took one look at her ragged clothes, her peasant accent, and they turned her away. She was small and from a t- little town, but she remembered till the day she died. So do I. So. 
a couple big middle fingers there from Nynaeve to Meringue, basically saying the OG, the person who was my boss uh, back in the day, uh, you turned her away. And that, that was probably a mean thing to do the ice today. So I think this explains why Nynaeve has a chip on her shoulder mm -hmm. and also uh, sets up that like everybody kind of knows like who the Aes Sedai are, like what they are, and uh, like how the town knows like that this is a thing and then they already are wary of Aes Sedai when Moraine shows up. Yeah. So I appreciated that part of like time, like really tying things together. And it's, it's very typical of how humans act when they have other cultures, other nationalities, other religions, whatever, that they don't know much about, and then they meet someone from that, right? Because mm -hmm. she's basically throwing the Aes Sedai's decision, which I'm sure Moraine had nothing to do with, on her, and basically saying, you represent all Aes Sedai, therefore mm -hmm. fuck you. And we do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how common is it in a small town when, like, a, like a German exchange student shows up, and they're like, hey, well, what the hell was Hitler thinking? Like, it's like, well, <laughs> I mean, my God. Like, you have to answer... For like, what, if you're if you're in a minority, yes. you have to answer for right. like their thoughts yeah. about your minority. It seems like Moraine deals yeah. with some of that here, and it seems like she's probably going to deal with that going forward. Yeah. Like people have these preconceptions of the Aes Sedai, and she, they just throw one at Moraine's feet wherever she goes, which to me seems fundamentally unfair. But she's also can like throw your house at you. So I mean, it's like <laughs> a give and take. I mean, it's sort of like she's in a position of power, so I think we'll see how that dynamic works mm -hmm. um, going forward. But but. I think that's a good good read on it. Moraine, quote, this is talking to Naive. See, people say you're too young to be a wisdom, but I disagree. You're strong. In this conversation, tell me if I'm wrong, folks. It seemed to me that Moraine was fishing for her age. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. yes. That was the entire like, point of right. Moraine entering into this conversation. And what she figured out, she wasn't there because Nynaeve was a wisdom. I don't think she cares about that. She wanted to see how old she was. And she figured out she's a little too old, is what it seemed Correct. like. Correct. Mm -hmm. So there was one other thing that was very easy to miss, but she was making sure or finding out that Nynaeve was not born in two rivers. Okay, there mm -hmm. you go. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's uh, that's that scene with Nynaeve and Moraine. Cut to Perrin and Rand and Matt getting an early start. Starting to drink right away. This was it is a festival. 10 a.m. maybe? 10 a.m. maybe? Give They're getting report. started. And it looked, I'm not judging. I'm just I'm just reporting the facts here. <laughs> Matt did seem to have had two. I, I just noticed. There yes. was a couple in front of yes. him. Mm -hmm. Now, he did get some bad news, too. So it might be a little sad drinking. They saw something out. Is that they, they, being Perrin and Matt, suss out something's wrong with the queen. But... Uh, Rand's not really talking about it. They're basically like, yeah, okay, well, you're pounding beers here at 10 a.m. and you seem upset. Like, so what's wrong with your girlfriend? And she just like got tossed in the river yesterday, like some shit's going on. And he's like, I can't talk about it. Cuts to Aguin going up to Nynaeve. The wind is blowing and she asks Aguin if she hears it. Now, it seems to me that in this, so let me explain what happens. She says, do you hear it? They sit there, they kind of listen, and we get this sort of sensory track, like the audio dials up, because we get from their perspective. And what you're hearing is not the wind. You're hearing like, I'll kill you. And that seems to be different. So here's what I took from this, is that this little exercise they have of, quote, listening to the wind is something that they do. At least Nynaeve does it. But what they're hearing when they try to tap into this is some shit. It's not normal what they're hearing right now. Because Nynaeve actually tells her, like when Aguin says, it sounds wrong. What does it mean? Nynaeve said, I don't know. I've never heard anything like it. So when they're tapping into the little the little network, when they've turned the, the AM FM dial up, 
<laughs> They're hearing something weird on the radio right now. Yes. yes. You're ahead of where Nynaeve is in the books, so great on picking it up. Okay. <laughs> um, cut to Lan walking around the woods, taking a little hike, and he comes upon some really, I'm going to say grade A fucked up livestock. This is, this is a bad situation mm-hmm. for these animals. It's it really is tough not to draw a Game of Thrones parallel here. I don't know which book is written first, but I can tell you that it, this is almost an exact scene that happens in Game of Thrones, which is you come upon animals that have been slaughtered in a pretty horrific way, mm-hmm. at least not a normal way, like a, right. in an odd way, and they're in a particular shape. Yes. Um, so the shape is called the Dragon's Fang. It, the ancient symbol of the Sedai is a yin yang where there is uh, one side where the tip is pointed up and that we find out is called uh, the Flame of Tarvalan. The black side, which is the tip pointed down, is called the Dragon's Fang. And so that sort of, you get that really early on in, in the books, probably get it explained later, doesn't reveal much of anything anywhere else, but that's why it's in yeah. that shape. Um, that is the dragon's fang. So glad you said that. So one thing to remember as a viewer of this, this is high fantasy. Mm-hmm. Symbols matter. Mm-hmm. Sayings matter. Lore matters. All that stuff's important. So the the, the little dragon's fang, the way these people were, the way these this livestock were arranged, probably something to keep in mind for later. Cut to Moraine. She's watching the town from on high. This is the scene that you talked about before, BJ. She's basically up above watching everybody. Cut back to the guys in Perrin. And he gives Matt some coins to buy some things for the girls. So it's kind of funny, right? So he's like, I know you're broke. Hell, you were trying to gamble on credit last night, bro. I know you don't have any money. And we got to light some lanterns later for some stuff. Here's some money. And he's like, I don't need it. Well, of course he doesn't need it. He stole that girl's fucking bracelet and sold it. But they don't know that. So Perrin keeps pushing it, though. Bro that he is. Gives him the money. So now Matt's doubled up. He's, he's back in the game. Let's get the dice rolling. He's, he's Let's get the, ga- the dice rolling again. He's back. And it looks like as this is all going on, Moraine is watching. Anything from the scene? No, no. That's I'm pretty Cut to a shot of the mountains. And clearly, Rand and Tam live up in the mountains. What we were talking about before, Brie, yeah. where they don't necessarily live in that town square. They have a, like a little, little cottage, little Airbnb up on the mountain. And they're lighting a lantern, which is apparently supposed to be done at Beltine. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Tan, who uh, I'm going to guess needs a knee replacement here, is like, look, we can light it anywhere. It's fine. <laughs> we don't need to go tramping back down the mountain. I've been fucking working these mountains for like 60 years, son. Like, we're going to light it right here. <laughs> and the point of this, from my ignorant perspective, seems to be that if you light this lantern this particular time in the ceremony, that it's some sort of communication with the dead. Like, you, you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Their mom, they're lighting this for their Tan's wife, Rand's mom, in an effort to somehow communicate with her. Mm-hmm. Into yeah. this ceremony. Mm-hmm. Quote, how long does it take? This is from Rand. How long does it take before the wheel of time? Bing, ding, 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 ding. First time we have the name of the show series <laughs> in the episode. Yeah. How long does it take before the wheel of time turns someone's spirit back into the world again? I'm going to pause there. Here's what I think I know. You guys tell me. It seems to be that this thing, the wheel of time, that it's all named for this is reincarnation. It's basically everyone, everywhere is on this wheel. It keeps spinning. And when you die, you just become somebody else. And then and then basically what Rand is saying is like, hey, mom died. How long does it take for that wheel to spin back around for her spirit to be alive somewhere else in mm-hmm. the world? Is she a sheep now, for instance? <laughs> is, my, is my mom a sheep? Do you know, father? That's what I'm getting. Tan, wish I knew. 
All we can do is the best we can with the life that's given to us. I want to nominate that for one of the other. That was it is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I teared up that's a, both times I watched Lee, Lee's again. life lessons yeah. here. Yeah. Let's see. If you take anything away from the episode, let's take this. All we can do is the best we can with the life that's given to us and take comfort from it. And no matter what happens, the pain we face, what heartbreak, even death, the wheel keeps turning always. And we try again. Maybe we do a little better than the last time. So that last part, it's yeah. it's very very sweet. Yeah, everybody's tearing up. The last part's like a little bit of lore, so you can. This is that's not least life lesson, right? Because that's like fantasy. The first part, <laughs> though, you can really take. Like all we can do is the best we can with the life that's given to us. I like that life lesson. But then yeah. they they work in the idea that, look, I basically I'm speaking as Tam now. I don't know when our our spirit comes back into something. I do know that. W- while we're here in this spirit and when we're in the next, we just got to do the best with what we have. Yeah. Yep. So yet again, establishing this character does not nail people to crosses and flay them alive. This is not Lord Bolton. <laughs> this is Tam and he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. So like yes. get Lord Bolton out of your head, everybody. Okay. Stop talking about him. Can we? Thanks. Thanks for reminding us. <laughs> we also, we also see Matt lighting the lanterns. He's got two lanterns. I think he only had one. one. I, I, think, was, I think he was, I thought he got I, three lanterns, yeah. one, but it was one for him and one for each of his sisters. That maybe. sounds about right. Two light, yeah. Yeah. but right. lighting them maybe for the same person. I don't know. So, yeah, that's the question here. Is the lantern, you light, yeah, okay. BJ knows where I'm going with the question. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I'm asking, do you light one lantern per spirit you want to communicate with or one lantern per person who wants to communicate with said spirit? Unclear. Apparently, yeah. the light, lighting lantern thing is a... Just forget it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's much more, I think, a way for them to explain what the wheel does yes. and that people and get reincarnated. Because we had yeah. this whole conversation yesterday about does the fact that Matt's mom and, well, Matt's family is lighting lanterns, and if each lantern is a person, does that mean that they lost someone in their family and that could be the mm-hmm. cause of the whole fractured family dynamic that right. we see? Yeah. Like a, yes. a child that was lost. Mm-hmm. But we have no idea. No. And there's no information about that in the books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I want I do want to debut a new segment for everyone. It's called <laughs> Lee's Oh Shit, I Caught That of the Episode. <laughs> and Perfect. this is Nynaeve lighting a lantern yes. and crying as mm-hmm. she lights it. So yep. she's lost someone in her life. That's I, probably going to be important later. And do, I mean, do we want to speculate on that? Sure. I mean, leave it? I assumed it was the wisdom who taught I did her. too. Yeah, that was mine. The 13 year old girl who went to the Aes Sedai yeah. and the Aes Sedai yeah. basically said, You may not enter here. And then I guess she just fucked off and died. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I love, yeah. I absolutely love this part though for Nynaeve because it really helps flesh her out as a character. Like she's, she lights this and she cries and then she immediately like scrubs the tears away and is like, I'm going to be a strong woman. And walks away. Yeah, and yeah, what she was does. also interesting about that too is that she was almost lighting and setting out the lantern into the river in secret because she yes. was completely she doesn't separated want to be seen from the rest of the town was kind of communally lighting and sending. Yeah. But Nynaeve was lighting and sending her lantern by herself, and then you also have Rand and Tam up in the mat. So it's interesting who is doing it separately, separately right? And so I, I will say that. I really good, like that they carried point. this through the books, and like I think you're starting to touch on it, which is um, Nynaeve is comparatively young to be a wisdom. Yes. And we get that, and so... Which Moraine said. Some right. people say you're too young. But I don't. Like, I think you can do it. Uh, um, yeah. Also, so, are you 20 years old? How old yes. are you? <laughs> um, yeah. 
But, so she hides weakness place. from mm-hmm. um, everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so this is another way of showing that she hides, like she does have those feelings, but she knows that she can't quite be like that. Or she doesn't feel else. like right. she can, right. yes. which yes. is a big part of Nike. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Cut back to Moraine. Egwene comes up to her in the woods. Uh, kind of, They just kind of come upon each other. Egwene keeps moving. Cut to the town square and it's nighttime. And I'll tell you, funny moment here. I've seen enough fantasy that when you have, oh, we're going to start with a local fun little town like in the Shire. And everybody's hooting and hollering, having a good time at night. I, I, I was watching this and said, oh, shit, <laughs> they're having too much fun. It's going to be trouble. Yes, this Jack, is kind of a yes, trope in fantasy. I can confirm that before first time we watched this, immediately the music started, the dancing started. Lee said, oh, no. This is trial of trouble in Tudor for City? There this is. is. This is trouble because you can't be having too good a time in these little towns. So they, they're dancing. Everything's going good. Cut to land. He comes up to Moraine and says, we got to leave now. Basically, he asked her if she knows which one, and she says no. Gotta tell you, Lan, so much patience with this guy because it, he's just like, oh, fucking, are you kidding me? Like, you 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 have Still a general you have a general idea, but you don't know. We've been here all day, but he has a seemingly infinite patience for Moraine. Not a lot of patience for other people. We learn later. Nope. Seemingly infinite patience for Moraine. Egwene is dancing, and Tom, the guy she's dancing with. Um, he does a really cool dance move where he like falls forward, like almost like uh, if you've ever seen the Smooth Criminal uh, Michael Jackson uh, video, you know, where you kind of lean, does the lean, except happens to be dead. Uh, big axe, axe in Surprise. the back. Yeah. Big axe in the back. And then we see these things called Trollocs. Now, I'll give, I'll give you my notes on these. These things are fucking tall, covered in hair, lots of teeth, big horns coming from their head and everywhere. And they know how to wield weapons, kind of. That's my Trolloc definition. Pretty good. Pretty Pretty accurate. Yeah, right? Pretty good. It's Um, important to know that they are, they do seem somewhat intelligent. They can wield weapons and they're working together. They speak some like tongue that we don't speak, but they kind of communicate with each other and they mindlessly are attacking people and they're tall too. They're like, Mm -hmm. they're big. They're big, yeah. Yeah. Anything about the attack scene? Here, this the breaking, first, breaking up of the, of the breaking up of the dance. Anything we want to see? The introduction of the Trollocs? No, I mean I think I have some notes, but I think they kind of come later as we kind of get into the battle itself, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of what is what is going on and what individual people are doing. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve finds Egwene. I think that's really important. Yes. yes. That when all hell breaks loose, generally you have about a two or three minute window in these shows to figure out which characters really give a shit about each other mm-hmm. because they all start to gravitate towards each other when all hell's breaking loose around mm-hmm. them. And Nynaeve finds Egwene and pulls her aside. The attack continues. Perrin, who, just want to point this out, this actor runs funny. Did y'all notice that actor <laughs> who plays Perrin runs yeah. funny? He runs with his hands like he's carrying a suitcase like this. Like his yes. hands are down the whole time he's running. You can't see it, but this is he, an amazing visual. He doesn't pick up. Most people, when they run, the, the hands are up near kind of like your chest or your breast area. This guy's running with his hands near his hip. Looks strange. That's all. Probably not about as bad as Steven Seagal, but I bet we're going to have a lot of people cutting cutting uh, scenes of Perrin running together now that you said that. Yeah, it looks pretty strange. Uh, but he runs... But it seems like he's, he's taken off with, with Layla. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're running off, mm-hmm. which makes sense. They're married. Cut to the eyeless overseeing 
Yeah, they, yeah, that's pretty good. I got Eyeless overseeing everything. Uh, so it seems like so the obviously no eyes for the eyeless, but like man, probably great hearing on this guy, right? You know, they say like, <laughs> when you lose one sense, you gain another because yep. he seems to be able to tell everything like that's going bad. on. Yes. Yep. Cut to Matt, who's in some hut. I think he basically put his sister somewhere, and then he was like, "I'm not done yet. I, I got to go back out." Right. So he takes off running across the courtyard. So he checks in with his parents of where, like, do you have this, like, my sister's, like, where, where are they? Okay. And then when her, his parents are just like, like what? what are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, this isn't our problem. And that's when he goes back out. Yes, because he's going out to look for his Got sister. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we get to um, a scene that I thought was particularly great, which is the shot of him running through chaos. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones did this for me. I'm sorry, I keep talking about it, but it's—I mean, it's the—it's a comparison show. It is, it yeah. is a natural yes. comparison. Um, yeah. There's a, there's multiple scenes in battles where if you get from John's perspective, a long cut of him running through the chaos, and you mm-hmm. got this here. Mm-hmm. And what I know from that show is that those scenes are particularly hard to shoot because the the jockeying of the camera, making sure things are going on around them, making sure the lighting is right through multiple scenes, it's a really hard thing to do. And this shot of Matt running through the chaos from his perspective, I thought was really, really good. Yeah. And it starts to separate the show from something like The Witcher or something like, you know, what's that one with the sleeves, whatever. And anyway, there's a lot of different like fantasy sci-fi stuff that's mm-hmm. out there that I feel like is eh, the C plus effort. Yeah. And a scene like this starts for me to move this show past a C plus effort. They didn't have to do this scene right. of following Matt through chaos. It's a difficult and expensive thing to shoot, mm-hmm. but they did it because mm-hmm. obviously they're going for quality here. So I, I give the show a lot of credit for that scene and I think it starts to elevate it past some of these other sci-fi fantasy shows that we've seen recently. And, mm-hmm. and I, to be honest with you, like. This scene, um, along with some of the other stuff we saw, I I really like started to buckle in and say, well, wait a second, like this might like like live up to the hype of this show. Like they they spend a lot of money here, and this is really entertaining and really good. That that's what I took from mm-hmm. that, that yeah. shot. Yeah. But anyway, Matt he runs through the chaos, and cut to Nynaeve and Egwene trying to help an old man. Mm-hmm. Do we know who this old man is, or he's just nope. some villager? Just throw away. Just a guy. Got it. Yep. So, I was gonna say so. I think this is very much play into the wisdom is healer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's like army yeah. medic right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. She's trying to help this man. Uh, I mean, obviously, skills elite. Because what does she do? Tourniquet leaves him alone. Like, great. Thank you, Nynaeve. Uh Real, real solid. I mean, he then skill basically there. immediately dies. So. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying. Like, I mean, you know, we're not. Her skills are not on display with this particular patient. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Nynaeve keeps watching everything, and it's pretty tragic. Uh, so I feel like we've got two real phases of this fight. Three. Let's say three. Mm-hmm. The first is Trollocs attack. Oh, shit. It looks like Chaos. the town yeah. is going to fall over like a, mm-hmm. just a, you know, like a, 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 like a, a feather. Like it it's is, just going to yeah, pounce the cars. Like literally it's just, just everyone running. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's just going to get destroyed. And then I think we get a second phase, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Cut to Tim and Ran in their house, and they hear the horses freaking out. Love that trope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> horses know before everything. It's always the horse or the dog that knows before yeah. everybody yeah. else. Trouble's coming. They're freaking Great. out. Great. Can confirm? Absolutely. Well, also Except, horses freak out no. all the time. So. <laughs> right. Well, but they, it is true. Like, if, if the dog is, like, 
hey, Ooh. something's going on outside. Mm-hmm. Like, you should probably pay attention. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Either Trollocs are attacking, your death is imminent. Or the or mailman you, is you're coming. you a package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, the Trolloc breaks in. And I got to tell you, this, this Tam-Rand combo, shout out to them. Because I would have given them... I don't know, plus 900, plus 1,000 to win this battle. Yep. That's a big underdog. I didn't think there was any chance they were going to beat this Trollic. But they snapped to it. Uh, Rand pulls out his bow and arrow and starts shooting him. Tam, I think he uses like some sort of large stick or something to start. And he like eventually switches poker. to a sword, yep. mm-hmm. which is a pretty fucking badass sword, by the way. And they start fighting this thing. And this thing is much taller. And he barely fits in the damn house yeah. that they're in. Yeah. But... Tam gets his sword out. Now, the sword, they, they focus in on the hilt of the sword, and it looks like it's a bird on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That is a that is detail accurate. that you should have noticed. Yes. yes. Correct. <laughs> and he can wield this sword. This yes. guy can, can fucking, he is, this is not like, this is not like what would happen if somebody broke in right now, right? My dad gave me a shotgun. I haven't shot it in 15 years. I, I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> You might shoot a sheriff. It was like, yeah. hey, hey, I have this, I have this thing, this honest. weapon that's been handed down to me. I can clumsily fumble with it. That's not what we're getting yeah. here from Tim. He pulls it out, and he's getting shots in on the trollic. He's cutting the trollic as it goes, right? Uh, then eventually the, the trollic uh, does get the better of Tim eventually and pushes him up against a wall and starts to dig um, some sort of like knife or something into his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it starts to go lower and lower and lower. And then we get the, the love this scene, the like shot of the knife going right through the back of yeah. the throat or head of the Trolloc. And we see it from the front of the Trolloc's perspective where the thing just sort of shoots out of its mouth. And Trolloc dead because our guy Rand has stabbed it from the back as it was killing his father. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. Rand, uh, or I'm sorry, Tam then says, you got to go. You got to get out of here. Basically, leave me behind. Right. And Rand's like, not going to happen, Dad. I'm going to get you some luck or I'm going to get you some help, which needs some luck for that. <laughs> Cut back to Nynaeve and Egwene fighting a Trolloc. And I got to tell you, the interesting parallel there. Tam Rand handled a Trolloc. Nynaeve Egwene, not doing so hot. Nope. Yep. No. So I was going to say, you picked up on something that um, I was worried wouldn't come through, that Tam really can wield the sword. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, Again, you know, I watched it a couple of times and it's like, okay, it's, it's a lot clearer than I thought it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really sets apart Tam from pretty much everybody else that we see. Absolutely. Like, would yeah. you expect that village, would you expect anyone in that village to be able to wield a sword? Yeah, absolutely. So there's something the weird, right? right? Like exactly. that's Or he didn't even have that sword right. that had that like, yes. really interesting, like emblem or marking on the hilt yeah. of it. So it was a it looked like a really nice fancy sword yeah and so that's what you're supposed to get out of that yeah. and the other thing that i wanted to point out about um kind of what tam knows and can do that is not expected in the rest of the village is that he is the only and we get this very clearly throughout the sequence of the back and forth between the village and the house he's the only one other than moraine and lan who know what the trollocs are right because you get multiple right. people in the chaos of the Trollocs coming in, going, what the fuck are these things? It's right, a good point. Right. That's a great point because when, and I missed it, when in the recap, when Rand goes up to his father, who's been like pushed up against the wall, he goes, they're Trollocs. Yes. He yep. says that to him. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, Names them, knows what they are immediately. We don't get any evidence that anyone else in the village really does. Right. The last thing uh, from this scene that I, I want to point out is that is the only weapon that we, like legit only weapon 
that we see in the two rivers. The other thing that we get that sort of can be go both ways is parents acts mm-hmm. but like this is the only like this is a weapon of war yeah yeah, yeah. And the bow and arrow also can kind of go both ways sure yeah. but that could but be tools tools in right some way. Yeah. but i'll tell you yeah. just a casual watcher it jumped off the screen that yes. that sword was a different type of thing that yeah. everybody else mm-hmm. is fighting with yeah uh but this is this is entering the second phase of this this attack that i wanted to talk about which is basically the town fights back like people start <laughs> fighting back yeah. and when Nynaeve pulls out like a pocket knife or something <laughs> but she does this sort of like rebel yell like like she's like i'm gonna fucking kill this thing and like it seems like maybe like a like a kamikaze type like i'm gonna just yeah. go in i think she's running on pure adrenaline yeah at this point yeah uh, like they're about to get murked. And then this trollic slams him up against the side of a tent and is just about to kill him. And then we see this like white light thing snap this trollic. And then I went double fist pump. <laughs> yeah, let's do this because Moraine has entered this. Is that Moraine's music? <laughs> Moraine yeah. has come down and she is basically, it's really badass what happens, right? She stands in the middle of everything. And starts to wield this power. Now, I don't think we're supposed to know what this power is right now, obviously. But I'll tell you what I saw. It seemed to me that she is able to pull energy from other places. She seems to pull lightning from the sky. She seems to pull power from the fire that's near her. She's like pulling stuff. And it's really cool what she's doing. She's like with her hands just kind of pulling stuff and spinning and then flinging it out. And she's using this power to... In about a period of 15 seconds, kill more Trollocs than the entire town did <laughs> in the pre- previous about 45 minutes. Correct. And what becomes apparent to me is that they all have these weird views of the Aes Sedai, like about how bad they are. Nynaeve thinks that they're, they're evil and they turned away her, her former teacher and all this stuff. But they would all be dead if it wasn't for this particular Aes Sedai yes. because they had no chance in this yes. battle. Yeah. Except for Moraine. Yeah. Right. So, and this is where I, I think we hearken back to the line of an Aesodai can turn the tide of a battle. And she mm-hmm. certainly does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as she sits there pulling stuff, using the force, using the mm-hmm. one power, flinging things, killing a lot of fucking Trollocs, one thing it becomes one thing is very important is that while she's doing that, she's not invincible. She doesn't have like a, a, a like a bubble around her, and that's why land is so important because people are the Trollocs are making runs at her because they while they seem a little stupid, they're not that stupid. They realize this lady's kicking our ass, and they're they're taking shots at her. And as they do, she'll duck. Land will come in, whop, hit them with the damn sword, and it's a pretty good combo. They're nice tag team champions of the world we've got here because they they're working very well together as Lorraine starts to kick these people's ass. And I think one cool thing there is if you listen to the interviews with the cast is actually the two people who play them. So Rosemond and um, Daniel. Daniel. Yeah, they they actually talk about how they worked so hard to make that really, really seamless. Mm -hmm. And it actually like they feel like they actually can sense when the other person because they've worked so closely together that they Sleeping actually together. have some of that Sleeping sense. together, the actors. Oh, I don't know about that. They're I don't know about together, that. Obviously, that's what I, that's what I take from that. That's that's method that, acting is what we call it. Oh, but they're not supposed to be. <laughs> no, but we're it's not a, supposed to get that energy from but, them. Well, but you're right, right? Because like what you just yeah. described is what I saw. Yeah, it did look very seamless, yeah. and it did look like they'd done that before. That like Land knew, oh shit, she's in her like power up phase 
I've got to basically protect home base right now. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does as she just beats the hell out of all these mm -hmm. things as it's going on. Mm -hmm. This starts to turn the tide a little bit. The town drunks get a little bit of like fervor and they corner <laughs> one of these things and they start to kill one. Of the, the, the group of drunks does kill one. It of does these. take you like are, eight of them. They gather all the pitchforks that they can find. Yeah, and they do it. This is amazing because it is actually Days Conger who leads this attack, yeah. which is just great because yeah. she is... She the town. Was, yeah. She, so she's the woman that invites a yeah, to, to drink. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. It just seemed it's like all the awesome. people from the tent were like, yep. this is what I, I assume. This is canon, head canon for me. This thing broke loose and they were like, fuck, there's monsters outside. And they all hid. And then Moraine started kicking everybody's ass and they're like, got a chance. Let's go. <laughs> and then they went outside and started fighting. That seems to be the timeline for me. Yep. Now we cut to Perrin, who is with. Uh, Layla. Layla and they are fighting they are, they have one that's been like in this building with them and yeah. they're fighting it right and they're it's a pretty good there, fight right? Yeah. right during the fight Layla's put up onto like the wall by one of these trucks and she fights back like Layla's tough yeah. man yeah. she fights this thing off a little bit and we cut back to the town square Moraine still summoning all kinds of power Firing lightning down from the sky at this point, it that seems really like cool onto one. these like, things. The power like goes up into the sky, and then like lightning just like blasts like five yeah. or six trollops. Yeah, it's really cool what she's doing, but it is, it, it it does seem to be a real focus on drawing energy. She need the, the, there's the, she's pulling things. It's like yeah. the real pulling thing yes. I've seen here, um, and, and it's very different than like something like Star Wars where it seems like. The force power it seems to be generated from the person. Like mm -hmm. Emperor Palpatine, when he shoots the the force lightning, it's coming with from within him. This does not seem to be coming from within Marie. She mm -hmm. seems to be being able to wield power that's out there in the mm -hmm. ether. That's just my take on it. Cuts in Ineen and Aguin trying to save someone's life, and at this point, uh, Nynaeve is snatched and taken by a trollop, mm -hmm. pulled away, and Aguin just assumes she's dead. We all assume she's dead. She's taken yeah. away. And that was a real, like, intense scene. Like, her getting hauled away by her braid was mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it was just so, like, well, holy shit, she's gone. And, yeah. the, and there was just focus on the braid being this big thing, and then she gets dragged off by the yeah. braid. Right, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty tough, right? Um, cut back to Perry, uh, Perrin and um, Layla. Like, I keep messing yeah. her name up. Yep. Layla. Doesn't matter, and, she's dead. Yeah, Layla's putting up a, a good fight. And then Perrin gets one on the ground and he starts whacking. And it's this thing that you do. I don't, I'm looking at my co-host here. Don't seem like you've been in a lot of fights. <laughs> just going to just Little do you know. <laughs> okay. I, I've seen a few, unfortunately. And this happens with people who are new to fights. Mm -hmm. They like punch a little bit too long. And that's what Perrin is doing here. He's got this thing basically dead, but he just keeps hauling. He's not used to it. So he's just scared to death. And he just keeps hitting and whacking and whacking. And then he hears something. There's another one. There's another truck. Whoa! Boom. Hits Layla right in the stomach. Kills her. Seems to, seems to really like yeah. cut through massive right. internal yeah. in mm -hmm. injuries. She starts spitting up blood immediately. He obviously crazy distraught, just killed his wife. Just extremely unfortunate turn of events. I'll tell you this. Yeah. You put me on the jury. Uh, I'm not going to charge Perrin with anything here. All right? He gets exonerated. I don't think he committed a crime, uh, but he did kill his wife. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. I I think he's going to get enough punishment from himself yes. for oh, the rest of yeah. forever. So we're going to... We need to do We're acquitting, we're acquitting yeah. Perrin yeah. of the crime? Is it all for... He, I, he will... I'm sitting to a shit ton of therapy. Is yeah. what I'm sentencing. I don't to. think he's gonna get the therapy. No, but 
Um, and so this is something interesting that um, isn't even from the books. It's just sort of about the author. Um, he is, uh, or was, he, he passed away, a Vietnam vet. And so mm. some of the things that are a consistent thread through the books is trauma dealing with trauma and unresolved trauma. Okay. And so I think this is like yeah. a, a way that this, this is a deviation from the books, but like highlights that theme really well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Cut back to Lan and he's in the middle of some serious fight employees. Mm-hmm. Now here's what we see about Lan is uh, let's compare it to Tam, right? When Tam was fighting this thing, we saw that he was a better fighter than probably everybody else in Two Rivers. Mm -hmm. And it was a battle with this Trolloc. I mean, he was going back and forth, head to head. It looks like he actually kind of lost. I mean, it was like a 9-10 round. He didn't get smoked, but he lost. Because he was up. Land cutting through him like butter. (laughs) Yes. Not a problem. Yeah. If you gave him, if it was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game, if it was one at a time, mm-hmm. he could probably handle them all. Yeah. Uh, he's cutting right through them. But as he's doing so, whoop, wagger, a dagger gets thrown, hits our girl Moraine right in the shoulder. And when it, it's important, when it hits her, all magic cut off. It stops the magic for a second. Now, Moraine is a, like, I don't mean this is a gender term here, folks. Mm-hmm. She's a real badass. I'm not like one of those, like, hey, you showed up at the meeting on time badasses. I'm talking like, I just got stabbed in the fucking chest and I'm going to keep fighting badass. We're, we're using yeah. the term badass, not boss bitch, which should be the distinction. It was pretty, yeah. pretty spectacular because when she got stabbed, I don't know anything about this, right? But when that thing hit her, mm-hmm. I thought, fuck, they lost their superpower. And she just basically pulls it right out and gets back to fighting, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty tough. She's tough, this Marine mm-hmm. character. Now, as this is happening, um, they look and holy shit, there's way more Trollocs coming. Um, I don't have the I don't have the count on the Trollocs here, but it looks like maybe about fifteen to twenty started this thing, and another twenty to thirty show up at some point. That seems to be a problem. Right. Yeah. I'm getting some yeah, head yeah. nods. Seems to be about a reasonable number. But there is another another like phase of Trollocs coming yeah. to them, and when this happens, she says the phrase "Light, give me strength." She seems to pull light and energy from all around her. I see it coming from the from the fire. They're, they they mm-hmm. really focused in on something coming from the fire, and in a startlingly cool scene, like a like a put you back <laughs> on the fucking couch cool scene. She because I don't like she doesn't have like like a bunch like she starts pulling rocks out of people out of the houses mm-hmm. there's like i think probably like the the bar behind them is probably yeah. What she yeah. it's a wine spring in yes. yeah like yeah <laughs> like so the, the, where people were drinking right she's like yeah, we could probably get rid of that she starts taking all of these uh like all of these rocks out of them yeah. and yeah. pulling them and firing them at it now before this land tells her there are too many Mm-hmm. So Lan, Lan knows Moraine knows her power, and he's even thinking this might be he's too like, much. He's like, we gotta here. cut our losses. And Lor- Moraine's like, nah, I think I can take them. And then she, yeah, she she sustains this injury too, and mm-hmm. then she's like, okay, no, but we're still doing this. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I think the the really cool thing for me was um, it was like a, a stone and mortar kind of building, mm-hmm. and like you see the power go through the mortar and it's like, all right, what's going on? Cause she seems to be drawing from a lot of places. Yeah. Then the stones start flying out and you're like, okay, these are normal, like buildings that we see around us size stones, like maybe like cedar block size or something yeah. like that. Yeah, big. And then they hit the trollocs and it's like, no, it's like three or four times that size. Mm-hmm. Like these are massive stones. That Absolutely. It's, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, 
this is Yoda picking up the X-Wing, right? This is her <laughs> saying, it doesn't matter the weight of the thing. I, yeah. can, I can move it and I can fling it. And yeah, she's yeah. flinging yeah. this house, this inn, yeah. brick by brick at this army yep. of, of Trollocs. And she fucking wins. Like, she just straight up wins. She kills them all. As she does, the end behind her, because she's taking all the foundation stones out of it, <laughs> starts to collapse, land, pff, MVP situation, immediately runs up and covers her body mm-hmm. with his yeah. as she falls. Now, I took two things going on here. One is it seems like this took energy from her. It was hard for her to do. So she yep, was collapsing right. from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So Land was probably going to run to her anyway, but he was also going to protect her body with his because that 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 building was coming down. Yeah. So we see that Land does not multiple times throughout the sequence does not hesitate putting himself in an extreme immediate danger for her. It seems to me that his his calling in life is I have to protect her, and and he while he probably doesn't want to die, yeah, very willing to die for her. Yes. Wards her from danger. What it seems. Yes. Um, cut to Rand coming in early the next morning and it's a disaster zone. Everything's bad. Egwene sees Rand come in and she runs up to him and gives him a hug. Thank the light. He tells her, she's like, thank God, thank the light. And he tells her that his dad needs help. So his dad survived the night. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. She's like, where's Nynaeve? She's gone. Can you help him? And she's like, well, I'll, I'll try. I mean, the answer there is no, I can't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, sure, I'll try. So they put him on a bench, cut to Matt with his sisters, and their mom runs out and greets them. So I guess Matt, yep. drunk mom, sisters all survived. Mm-hmm. Cut to Perrin, and he's walking with his dead wife in his arms. Oof. Tough. Moraine comes over to Ram, uh, Tam and Rand, looks at the injury on Tam. It's his shoulder, and it looks mm-hmm. to be like, black and like really festered at this point and she says it's trollic poison this is, about, I think this is the first time we find out that when the trollocs maybe bite you maybe it's their saliva that does this it seems that they have some sort of poison on them right? i mean i i think this is a probably a point of clarification that is not a spoiler is it's on the blades it's on the blades yeah, yeah. So it's the, important enough the blade that he that the trollocs shoved into town's shoulder do they like while they're fighting do they like do the poison like are they the red viper or are they like yeah, rubbing it, the poison it, on the blade is, before the battle a there's a like way the in viper. which the blades are made yes that results in this okay yeah. all right so, so it's very much like divian poison and they are poisoned got it yeah. so he's poisoned and she um it's like she's got some bath water she needs to warm up. She just started, immediately starts doing the hand thing again, Moraine does, and heals Tam. And I'm not talking heals like, here's a Band-Aid, you'll be all right in the morning, you know, two aspirin, call me tomorrow. It is, you're just fucking better. Like, she just heals him yeah. like that. I mean, he comes to, mm-hmm. he's back lucid, doesn't seem to be in any pain, and there is no wound on him. Yeah. Yes. And so you watch the wound actually stitch up as she's weaving the power and clear out. And so it's this big gash in his shoulder, and it sort of, like, cleans up and, like, knits itself together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she, at this point, here's what we've established with Moraine. Here's what I'm, I'm trying to get, like, the, the scouting report on mm-hmm. Moraine. So she can obviously tell something about this prophecy. She can sense when the dragon is around her. She has something that that is helping her sense that the dragon might be around her or that something like that. There's something supernatural about that that other people don't have is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. There's a power there. Two, (laughs) fucking kick your ass in a fight. I mean, that was amazing. And three, she can heal you. So that's what I've got right now in the scouting report with Moran. Yep. 
God. You want her on your team. Absolutely. You know, it kills me that as soon as this happens, this fucking kid ran. (laughs) Doesn't so much as thank her. And he hauls off on her and starts yelling, did she just saved your dad's life? Not not a thank you be uttered. <laughs> yeah. He immediately goes, you show up in these things the next day. And she sons him, basically, so I'm going to need you to sit down for a second, kid. <laughs> says, they're here for the same reason I am. For you, for the four of you, 20 years ago, there was a woman in the White Tower, and I said, I bored with eyes so white she couldn't see anything. Yet she still saw glimpses of the future, or no, glimpses of the turning of the wheel. The dark one is waking. His whispers are already in the backs of our minds. But there will be one who can stand against him. The dragon has been born again, and it's one of you. This is the this is the the, the quote here from from Moraine. I think this is probably extremely important, probably for this episode, the season, mm-hmm. and probably yeah. the series, because it gives you a little lore, yep. and it gives you a sense of what she needs to do next, which is to protect one of the four of these because they're the dragon and can fight the dark one. And this is the, I think this is maybe the first time we actually got the phrase the dark one, right? Where we we figure out that there is like maybe a a, a super Super bad boss somewhere. Yeah. Super mm-hmm. bad boss. Yeah. Right. And then there is like a figure somewhere. Right. Anyways, yeah. Um, and very definitely, but like one of them, she has decided is the dragon. Yes. One of the four is the dragon. Mm-hmm. She's narrowed it down to the four. Mm-hmm. So here's our contestants <laughs> for right. America's new favorite game show, Who is the Dragon? We've got Perrin. Mm-hmm. Probably not the dragon. Oh. Matt might be the dragon. Rand, red herring, I think. And then you got a Gween who's the front runner for dragon status, probably. Yep. Okay. 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 That's what I. I, I think this should be a recurring segment. Yes, yeah, I go love power that. Power rankings your, of the dragon. Power contestants yeah. of, of the yeah. four. You know who who you think yep. it is. Who's leading? Okay. So, so episode I've got one, you've got the Gween one. Gween one. Matt. I've got uh, I got Matt two, Rand three, Perrin distant so four. Why <laughs> why is Perrin so distant? Uh, he doesn't You're not seem feeling that, his like tapped into the crazy man. Doesn't vibe? seem they, they they focus on him less. He doesn't seem as important, mm-hmm. and Moraine seems to focus on him less. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting into okay. episode two now, but like, yeah, she seems to focus on him mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay, less. Yeah. that's just my my my. my I like this as a segment. This yeah. is really interesting. Yeah. Okay, Matt tells her you've completely lost your mind. I, I'm going to help you out. <laughs> now, here's the thing I would say to Matt. I would probably pull him aside and say. She just threw a house at a person brick by brick. Maybe you're not in the best position to say anything about who she is or what she is. <laughs> she laughs a little bit at this. Land points out there are more Trollocs on the way, 300 at least. Now, they probably, I, I counted it at maybe 40 to 50 total from mm-hmm. last night. It was mm-hmm. all Moraine could do to deal with them. Yep. 300, she's not going to be able to handle on her own. Moraine says the four of them uh, need to leave. They, they need to get out of there because if they stay, they're going to die. And there's nothing you can do to stop these Trollocs. So you got to come with me. There's no time. We leave now. I will say this about Rosamund Pike, the actress. She has been in some things before this that were kind of like clueless type, like mm-hmm. like she was more juvenile. Mm-hmm. She establishes that this Moraine character is to be fucking listened to early on. And when she says, we leave now, like I believed her. And like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sit and just like fawn over the acting the whole time. But I thought she did an, she's done an incredible job in this episode of establishing herself as Moraine. And uh, really having a levity to what she says in these scenes. When Moraine speaks, like, you shut the hell up. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting from it. I really like that that's what you took away from it. Because one of the things that everybody on the internet, and I was a little bit concerned about too, is just like, there was a really quick shift from, she's like, all right, we're going to go. And then they just go. And and, like, I, I... 
I just, be, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Like, why did they buy in so yeah, quick? Yeah. Why did they leave so quick? And it's like, well, first off, when she speaks, you listen. Yeah. And two, look what she just did. Like, I mean, they just watched this in battle, and she just healed somebody. Yeah. Right. right. And so, like, I, I think that, especially like the the view that you're coming from, and so you get a lot more of the reinforcement of she's kind of scary, and you should listen to her, and also she has this gravitas. And you should listen to mm-hmm. her that is established differently in the books. And so I think those of us that have that pro- that other establishment came at this with a different set of eyes. And I really yeah. like that you picked that up mm-hmm. from what they had. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I mean, And then we get to basically our ending scene here, which is a voiceover. It sounds like Maureen's voice. Mm-hmm. The wheel of time turns. The ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. Then we see our four protagonists taking off. In one age, called the third age by some, a wind rose in the mountains of mist. The the wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings or endings to the turning of the wheel, but it was a beginning. So what do you think of that quote or that That voiceover at the end? Uh, So it seems to me that it's again playing into the the lore of the overall story, mm-hmm. which is there was. I'm gonna explain this in a really sophisticated way, so everybody <laughs> just buckle up. Uh, there is a real bad guy who did some bad shit, and the women had to be like knock that shit off. And then there's been the world since then, and the women have been pretty much protecting it. And now some fucking asshole has come around again. And in order to deal with this character, you're going to need the dragon to do it. And the women, the women, the Aes Sedai, are going to need this dragon really badly to be able to fight this guy. And I think that this is playing into all of it. This idea, legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. That's, I think, a direct reference to what's happening, right? Like, they're, they're, this dark one fought, made the world bad, all that crap happened. That has become sort of mythos in our life, right? almost forgotten but it's come again and it's happening again now that's what i took awesome interesting okay. all right um, so that's basic that quote is the opening of the book yeah it's and strong every book basically yeah. it has a very similar yeah quote. yeah it's a recurring theme for every book to open in a way like that but that that's like the first paragraph of the book i can guarantee there's Somebody with a tattoo that says the wheel of time turns oh, and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's probably on a shin or like a calf. And, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. I was thinking inside of the arm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Inside of the arm. Is there there yeah. are probably many, many versions yeah. of that. Absolutely. So, so there's the recap. There's yeah. the Good recap. job. Yay. Thank you. Good work. Really appreciate it. Um, You've got a couple of segments that you're still here for yep. and that we're going to run through. Real quick. Yeah. Um, so... Tavern of the Week, this is the most interesting character, like who like really caught our attention. And we're gonna do some nominations and then Bria is going to uh, proclaim who the Tavern of the Week is. Um I the Lee, most, you were looking at me. Most interesting like, character? Are we honestly <laughs> doing this? Moraine has to win this. Ooh. So 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 you have a strong nomination for Moraine. We I think know your reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. You laid them out. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, Listen, it is I I said it in exactly these terms in our our last trailer episode that we did. I am 
not just because he is my husband, but I am in fact also <laughs> in agreement. Like it has to be Moraine for for me as well. I love this character anyway. Um, I think Rosamund Pike does a great job with her. Yep. yep. Um, Amen. And just like she is the focus of the Aes Sedai, who are always and forever my most interesting people here. Um, Fair enough. I I like that nomination. I'm going to nominate somebody else completely different, a super minor character that has very little screen time because he nails it so Oh my god, well. does he ever. Hot on Fane is yes. like, oh my god. It, the peddler. The peddler. He nails what he needs to do, mm-hmm. and it is so perfect. That is true. And explaining it too much more is very spoilery, but... The peddler, okay. Mm-hmm. He, the one who he was like, hey, man, I can't buy this bracelet for that much Exactly. Yeah. He, he just does what he needs to do. I also want to go back. We did not mention it in the recap, recap but there is a moment when, and it's so brief, mm-hmm. it's so easy to miss, but the the um, the Trollocs are coming in, yeah. Poddenfane is standing by his cart, he is not rushing really perturbed he, he's chilling by any of it and he just turns and walks away, away. yeah it is oh man it is so cool yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's that's fair but i do think it, it is difficult within the confines of what we get exactly. in this and episode you know, i will do to, my best for the most part yeah. to but i do think that the actor yeah. i totally get it yeah you you yeah. know a lot more yeah. and you yeah. And, yeah. and whatever groundwork this guy's laid apparently yeah. is, is spot on i, I mean get, i get it yeah. he totally stole that area of the show like it was a oh my god this is a hundred percent pot on fane in the flesh and if i remember correctly he was he was watching as the trollic started to attack and was like nope, yeah yeah nope yeah. the fuck out of there yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. but it was a very it chill the, note it was, it was like, like all right well yeah. and the, I, i've done my work here the one other thing that i'm just gonna say is a choice that they made when filming it that i really liked is we faded from the the merdral the eyeless into pot on fane Mm. And that was the scene change. And so, like, I think that was just a, a really cool thing that they did with his character. Okay. So when he came into the yeah. two rivers mm-hmm. and he was whistling, yeah. and then that went to the fade, mm-hmm. which had the whistling the waves. Was still there, mm-hmm. yeah. I see. I see. I see. Um, so I love all those suggestions. I think Moraine does an amazing, amazing job. But I focused actually on our four characters that are prospective Dragon Reborns. Um, well, actually five, because Nynaeve was my winner of the <laughs> Tavern of the Week because, and it's mm. really, it is, it is sort of based a little bit on what she is in the books. And I found a lot of, like, she's very rough in the books and there's a lot of, like, rough edged. And they're setting up her character, I think, really well as a protector and a healer and somebody who is very strong, but also very insecure. Mm-hmm. And so you get to see all of those aspects of her in this episode already, which is really, really cool. So she's wins. my vote. Um, but I think I think Moraine is a is a strong runner up. Okay. Nynaeve one, Moraine two for Tavern of the Week. I'll say this about Nynaeve. Running the risk of just mindlessly angry for me as a character. They're gonna 100%. need to gonna need a little yeah. give a little context to that, because she just seems like naturally pissed off all the time. And that is not super interesting. But that is a great pickup. Mm-hmm. Yep. So keep that uh, in mind. Actress does a really good job. That that is something that you picked up. <laughs> um, so uh, our second of the the uh, early on segments, we have Gleeman's Corner. So we're going to go through nominations of uh, best scene and or best quote. Um, sort of 
mix and match whichever you want to do. Um, Brie, I'm going to start with you for your nomination. Ooh, so I think one of my hmm, favorite ones, mm-hmm. um, this, this is actually, it's a combination of best scene and best quote. I guess really it's a best quote, so okay. I'm just going to like just change it. it. But is when Lan and Moraine are sitting in the water mm-hmm. and he does this very like, I'm not going to ask for the water to be warmer, but like you could, could be warmer. warmer. Right. Yeah. And so he's like, could it be could warmer. be warmer. Yeah. That's a really and then she does it, he and it's like her. better. He can't yeah. tell her what yeah. to do. It's obvious. He can't yeah. command her. She's clearly whatever hierarchy this is. She's above it. But he's like, hey, creature no. comforts mm-hmm. a yeah. little. Mm-hmm. I definitely yeah. have that written down. I also like that um, we do have this bit of humor from Lamb. Like it, it Very humanizes yeah. him a bit more because he can come off as the sort of like stoic. Yes. And he does in the book very frequently until a little bit later I mean, where right. it gets a little more humanized. But That's he comes off as this, like, just sort of stock fantasy. Stone face yeah. for a reason. Like, like a warrior who doesn't have much personality of his own. And so I think that scene does right. a really good job for both their relationship yes. and that dynamic as well as, oh, right, then it's actually a person in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a great point because I, without that, it's hard for me to, to say, but without that scene, I'm not quite sure I would think of that character soon because I don't think of him as stone-faced right now. Right. I think of him as kind of like just just a really good at his job dude, but like also like kind of just a regular dude. Like right. That, and and, and that, that bath scene's probably why. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I really like that they did that. Um I'm gonna put one of mine in, which is um Matt looking at his parents and saying, Where are the girls? Mm-hmm. And then running out and then that scene through the fight, because I think that if we didn't have that, Matt is a an unredeemable character. And I think that oh come on, but all, but really like a bit. he he steals he gambles yeah, he's like, super poor he, like he he I wouldn't say that we it's just that I I, I think okay. I unredeemable is a really strong yeah. word yeah, I know what you mean yeah. though it yeah, does yeah. redeem him yeah it, it yeah. redeems him and and it shows that that he really has some really good solid qualities mm-hmm. yeah. and um, why we might want to root for him as a character right. more than. Like we had it for I I would perhaps temper the unredeemable language with just like this the the care that he has for his sisters throughout this episode makes him just not seem like a fuck off. Right. Exactly. Right. right. I not that he's a bad person. Like yes, he does. Yet. Right. Look, the guy tried to gamble on credit. He's got a yeah. soft spot in my heart. Do you see yourself he's, as he's, land? That's such a, I mean, as I mean, everybody, you know, we've all been there. I was going to say and. and and I like that they do this because Matt is one of my favorite characters from the book. But so, eventually, so eventually. And I like that they're starting that early. Yeah. And I mean, that he's not just a bad apple. You know, yes. Yes. Uh, bad apple is, is. Oh, yeah, that's better. The other thing that was really cool, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when he was trying to barter with Pat and Fane about the bracelet, it shows that his hands have calluses. And so, like, he actually is doing something. I don't know what he's doing with his hands, but he has calluses on his hands. Interesting. I did not see that. I'd also point out that when Perrin insisted on giving him the money, that humanized Matt to me a little bit because I thought there's got to be something nice about this guy for his friends to be like, yeah, I know he gambled away all his money last night, but, like, we're still going to give him money. Right. We're going to support him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is it my turn? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I am going to do, I mean, I just can't, Tam and Rand during the lanterns. Um, I mean, I, and I'll just read it all again. God, I love it. Um, the wish I knew all we can do, um, is the best we can with the life that's given to us and take comfort from it. And no matter what happens, the pain we face, what heartbreak, even death, the wheel keeps turning always. And we try again. Maybe we do a little better than the last time. That especially that maybe we do a little better than the last time. This idea of the wheel is is turning. There can be, and there frequently is in the way it's talked about, a really sort of fatalistic idea Mm -hmm. in the wheel turns and it's just the same thing over and over again. But that hint of maybe we can do a little better than the last time, that hint of striving and Mm -hmm. acknowledgement of we do have power in our own lives right that really got me i really appreciated that yeah that that was a beautiful scene yeah oh absolutely yeah what's the what's what other segments do i have before i'm really uh, this is your last one this is my last thing yeah. well, well novices well, notes so one more super quick. Oh, yeah. any theories or, or notes that yeah. you just want to spout out as a um, you did a lot. Of I guess we already. Yeah. Can I? Can yeah. I do my? I'm gonna do mine, and then I'll segment right into that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. So mine, obviously, is Moraine's kicking everybody's ass. You are in love with Moraine. That scene, the whole thing. I mean, it like the, so. The fact that there was a battle scene was cool. Uh, getting the Trollocs up close and personal was cool. The the sort of like the, how the town mm-hmm. deals with it, all cool. But it it reached an apex when we got to see Moraine's power the tapping into the one power am i using mm-hmm. that the yeah one power? Mm-hmm. yep um that that took the episode somewhere else it was really fucking cool they did it they did it great i thought the pulling of the bricks out of the house in order to throw them at the trollocs was good i like that land let us know about where her power the, the ceiling because without yeah. him coming by and saying there are too many mm-hmm. we could have just thought that she could have just killed an innumerable amount of them yeah but he basically was saying you can't do this and she's like let me try that felt like we got like what a like a ten out of ten effort is from her. Mm-hmm. We got that, right, mm-hmm. right. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna transition from that right into my theories, if that's okay. One second. Yep. Because I get to choose which is the best one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I like all of them, but well, yeah, I have to go with what with, with your choice. I mean, her taking those massive stones and just pummeling those trollocs. It really brought this scene to life in in a way that I was. Just, had some trepidation about and like she just nailed it yeah it's a very visceral yeah Mm -hmm. without it too all this fuss about the Aes Sedai would come off as like not not as important but now they give some it gives some real like consequence Mm -hmm. to the Aes Sedai right and the power and the tapping in the listening to the wind and all that stuff because we see wow it really does some stuff and she healed with it too which was also pretty awesome Mm -hmm. saved Tam's life here's what I'll say about the episode um I went into this, as you can tell, on the pod that we did, where it was an absolutely nonsensical trailer. That they put out. <laughs> With some trepidation, I thought this might be a little hokey. I wasn't, I wasn't super excited. About it. I was excited about the communal watching. I was mm-hmm. about that. I like the idea of something being released at a certain time and us all watching it together. That's fucking cool to me. This show, though, I wasn't super excited about. I will say it's an eminently watchable hour of television. They did a great job of introducing us to a world but giving us just a slice of it in the first episode so that I can follow it. I felt, I, I like, listen to the recap. I think I even understood what happened to this, in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I got yeah. it. I didn't get it because I'm super smart. I got it because they said, we are going to show you just enough 
that you get to know certain characters. We'll expand later, but right now, here's all you need to know. And I will say, um, so that's my positive. My positive is it's, it's a very watchable hour of television. I'm super excited about watching uh, other episodes of it. I thought it was a better first episode than Game of Thrones' first episode. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. As far as just like, do you want to watch episode two? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. But part of that is because they gave us a big battle sequence. And part of that is because they gave us the limits of Moraine's power and like the, the depths of her power. Mm-hmm. That is the part, if I'm going to be critical, I would say that maybe they didn't have a lot of confidence in it. Because if you need to give me that battle scene... And all of that apex drama in the first episode, it didn't seem like that. That seemed to me like a begging to watch episode two. That, that's a that's a scene you do when you don't have a lot of confidence that you can stick the viewer with just the dialogue and just the lore and just the story. Yeah. If you're being critical of the episode, you would say that maybe the the inclusion of Moraine and that whole battle sequence and her power was a cheap way to get the casual to like the episode and to follow to episode two. Now, having seen episode two and three, I'm not sure I would buy that criticism, but that would be, that would have a level of it. You did, you did say that while you were watching yeah. the first episode. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I feel like you have moved away from that yeah. as you've watched further episodes and watched this episode again, perhaps, but like as an initial reaction. I felt I like, oh, of course they're giving us a big right. battle because that, like how, like they need to give us this, like a battle is cheap drama. Mm-hmm. Because you establish this person's fighting this person, one's got a, everybody's seen a boxing match before. It's easy, cheap drama. Yeah, and they they gave it to us, and I thought, man, that's a that's a that's a desperate, cheap move in episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk more about that criticism in episode two and three, but at, at, at episode one, that's what I thought. Now, my theories. Here's some theories I got for you guys. You ready? All right, please do. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I think that we're going to get way, way, way more of a Gween Rand romance bullshit than I ever want to ever <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if one of these actors is married or gay or something, but it, the, the vibes between these two actors are fucking ice cold. I don't think they like it. So I don't give a fuck about that romance at all. Um, I think that... Uh, so I had one. What hell? What was the other one? Oh yeah, um, other one is that I think that we're going to get this is this is basically Lord of the Rings right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You leave the Shire and you're going to wherever the hell Lorraine's taking these four, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're going to get all of season one. Okay. I think they, that's what they set up is yep. now it's a journey show. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was mm-hmm. initial scene, introduction to the world, battle, and now we've got rest of season one. We're on horseback. Off we go. We're going to wherever the hell it is. Yeah. And then that's going to be your season, and that's what I've got. Okay. okay. Cool. Okay. All right. Got awesome. the newbies notes. Lee out. Lee out. Thank you so much. And uh... hopefully you'll stick around for our part two, which is a little bit more spoiler-filled. All right, welcome to part two. Uh, we're going to jump right into the second half of our episode. This is going to be uh, spoiler heavy. Um, we have these next three segments, which are Reading the Pattern, Weft and Warp, um, and Disappointed Dark Friends. And so uh, Reading the Pattern, we're going to talk about where stuff in uh, this episode uh, fits into the bigger book picture. 
Um, and so um, I think we'll just do like a little bit of uh, a scene or two from each one of us and then um, move on to the next piece. So um, great. So I think I, I have several little things that are callbacks to the books that I thought were really kind of neat, kind of in there for us book readers that are very invested in the series. Um, so things like I loved that Matt was dicing that he's a gambler because he's known as a gambler through the books, but in a funny contrast to where he gets to later in the books, he's completely like losing. He has no luck. Um, and so it's just this really funny little inclusion. The other thing that I really liked um, was, or well, I guess that I thought was interesting is that his mother says, you know, essentially you're going to grow up to be like your father in a, mm -hmm. you know, very negative light. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because that he does have an aspect of being a little bit of a womanizer in the books. And so that's also a really interesting call forward of like, this is actually something that he does mm -hmm. to some extent. Mm -hmm. Maybe not with married women and while he's married, but there is some aspect of him that is not dissimilar to his father mm -hmm. that they've shown in the show anyway. BJ? Um, yeah, so I think we, we have a lot of scenes that call to the books and one of the ones that we talked about a lot and I'm so glad that Terry picked up on is the Heronmark sword. Um, that Tam is a blade master, and it really does show. I mean, I, I think that the comparison between uh, Tam and Lan um, and their abilities with the sword are spot on. That mm -hmm. Tam is great with the sword. He hasn't been fighting Trollocs for, you know, forever, but he really does hold his own against something that's way stronger, way bigger than he is. Um, and up until the Trolloc just basically bears down on him with his size and strength. Like, he's completely winning this fight. Mm -hmm. um, that scene was, an, I, I wanted to kind of call out that scene too, because I, at, like, as someone who did read, has read the first book, and read the first book relatively recently, I was bringing other things to that scene that mm -hmm. confused me the first time around, and actually watching it with Lee, who gave the the read that I think is actually right. right helped me kind of go through it because we have in the book in that um in that scene that description of like Rand almost feeling like the sword was doing the work for him and so I came at Tam using the sword with that kind of lens on it and it did take me until my second watch to be like oh wait that's that's actually not what's going on right. here I, I get it now but it like um, it was so nice that, to hear Lee yeah. say this, this, and this, yeah. and it was like, oh, you got exactly what I think mm -hmm. you're supposed to get from this scene. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was I just wanted to put that in there because we couldn't really talk about it in the in the first section, right? Um, but I I did think that that nuance was really interesting and really good. Yeah. Um, and then I like that we see uh, Perrin's acts. We sort of see like the big themes of all of the characters. Mm -hmm. I like that, um, and. Uh, I mean, I, I think they do a really good job um, of sort of setting things up. I think this section will be more fleshed out as we get to yeah. episode two and three, because this, you know, follows the books really well. There isn't too much that's setting up stuff from for later in the mm -hmm. books, I think, mm -hmm. um, as much as like episode two and three. Have. Yeah. So I... 
Oh, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say the one, the one thing I wanted to point out that I really, I really appreciated about the, the show and how it was following my vision of the books. Although, as we talked about in the first part, the scene for the set for two rivers did seem smaller than I anticipated between the town itself and uh, Tam and Rand's house. Mm-hmm. I did think that the like the the actual aesthetics of the buildings and the architecture really encapsulated and captured what I thought Two Rivers was going to look like. I yeah. thought it was distinct and interesting, and um, you know, something that I felt. I felt like they did put a lot of. Th- thought and care into right. how it looked, even if the set wasn't as right. big as I, I would have anticipated. It was very rustic, mm-hmm. but yeah. communal. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought is really funny is that the wine springing is actually bigger in the show than it's described in the book. Yeah, very much so. And, and did seem much bigger in the show. Yeah, yeah. And so... And, and everything and, actually has shingles instead of being thatched. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, That's, that is true. That is a difference, but yeah. I, li- I liked the shingles. Yes, I no, liked. it's great. Because I also felt like... I'd forgotten that, so I will own up to the fact that I'd forgotten that those houses should have been thatched. But I do feel like choosing the shingles gave the show a little bit of a distinction from like other fantasy small town settings that yes. we see a lot. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they all have thatched houses. Right? It yeah. wouldn't have been um, quite so like English countryside. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and then. Like, I, I think that one of the reasons that they chose this size is because they have to have an array of sizes mm-hmm. and show, like, mm-hmm. how they've come from something really tiny yeah. and then they progress to, like, th- this is, like, maybe a suburb of a real city and they're just like, oh my god, this is huge. And so I think <laughs> Every that... city they see is the biggest city they've ever seen. Exactly. Quite literally. one that could possibly exist. Right, right. <laughs> So I do also, one last thing that I wanted to yeah. point out in the like callbacks of the book and, and call forwards is, so the, the quote that we all really loved about, you know, Tam and Rand talking about, you know, all we can do is try again. Mm-hmm. Maybe things will be a little different. So that fits beautifully. And this is something that you wouldn't have gotten to, Sarah, mm-hmm. because it's in like book 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can confirm, not there. <laughs> um, but so Rand undergoes sort of a, a similar realization as his character develops. So he goes through many iterations of of his character, but he comes around to this sort of very philosophical, why does the wheel weep us back out again? Mm-hmm. It's so that we can try again. Mm, and it's mm-hmm. just this, it's this beautiful, beautiful moment later in the series. And so we get a little bit of that now, I love which that is a, a really yeah. cool... Because uh, we really don't get that in the first yeah. book. Right, um, at all. It, 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 it really is the fatalistic, the wheel... Weaves as it will. Right. And I'm, I'm glad that they... I didn't know that that came later in the books either, but I'm glad that they have... Put um, that in early. Put yeah. that in early, because I do think that that's a much more interesting interpretation of right. what's going on with the wheel and with fate and with how lives repeat but maybe are different a slant yeah. yeah so i guess the the last thing that um i'll say on this part is that i hinted at it in my choice of uh, oh yes tavern of the week but padan fane mm-hmm. is so clearly evil and glory yeah. in it and it's just it's just enough so if you quickly pick it up you get yeah. this odd sense from him. Mm-hmm. 
And Lee didn't even, yeah. he was like, yeah. oh, no, okay, whatever, the peddler came. was taking notes when, especially because that scene when Pod and Fane actually, during the fight, when he walks away, it, so there's quick. no, it's yeah. so quick, there's no dialogue around it. So right. I think he was probably looking at his computer screen taking mm-hmm. notes for that. And it's, I, I just, I love that they are highlighting that now. Because I, I don't know, maybe I'm just dumb, but like I didn't get that in the book at this at this point in right. the book right. at all. Exactly. It doesn't but really come out till later. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important and interesting that that is highlighted now, especially if we're thinking about the logistics of a TV show. Like you cannot expect if you had not highlighted that as a showrunner, like you cannot expect somebody to come back. Yeah. Five episodes from now and Pick like, it up. remember that that was. Yeah. And like the just the way he smiles, mm-hmm. like how he looks at people, just yeah, right. it was it's just awesome. Great. And yeah, I think mm-hmm. this is like mm-hmm. one of the things that for me like really sets the the tone for mm-hmm. later in the books. I agree. Um, so I feel like because this is like specifically the first episode of mm-hmm. this show, I feel like our next two segments are Warp and Weft, which is about how things have diverged from the book and how we feel about it. And disappointed dark friends, which is what people are complaining about on the internet. Those Pretty much the same, the same thing. <laughs> yes, those um, are the same segments. So we're going to conflate those a little bit this time, because um, otherwise we're going to be repeating right. ourselves a lot. Yes. Although I have one small one that I don't Please. think will fit in disappointed dark okay. friends, but is then a let's difference. Start with that. Yes, and I, like I have not seen it anywhere on the internet, and I've been doing a lot of reading mm-hmm. the last couple of days, mm-hmm. um, and it's the one about when Nynaeve tells Moraine the story about the old wisdom, she says, you know, they took woman to look at her mm-hmm. and she was just this little girl from a little town, clearly didn't know anything, and the White Tower turned her away. That is not the perception in the books. Right? I, so the I White Tower on this, oh, okay. but only only, only one, one. And it's exactly like, yeah. it, it was someone saying like that's this not what the happened. White Tower would like, do. They, yeah, they take they in s- women. Search out and take in. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't really search out. Like, no, but if they, if they, they come to coffee. them. And so, like, it makes me wonder, is there, was there a difference in that wisdom story? Or is that truly this age's mm-hmm. White Tower? Yeah. That's so, interesting. I did see someone talk about this. And I think the biggest uh, through line that we have to think about is unreliable narrator, especially a 13 year old, especially Mm -hmm. so many other things where maybe she got booted out. Yeah. At least my headcanon is she went to the white tower. She like, she did the right thing. And they're Mm -hmm. basically like, you're not powerful enough Mm -hmm. to become an Ace Sedai or or like even progress. Like maybe had the tiniest spark or or maybe not even. Yeah. And just thought that she might, because there are other skills that are not one power related. Right. hopefully see in some of the coming episodes and definitely in the books. And so it's just like a, this isn't really a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in the books and something that isn't made clear is that listening to the wind is not a one power Mm -hmm. thing. It it might be related, but almost definitely not. This is probably just something that Nynaeve and some wisdoms can do. Yeah. And probably more of like an old blood thing. Because we get a little bit of like hints in the book about um, like what the different levels of power or whatever that wisdoms have in different places. Right. right? Some of them really are just sort of like herbalists. Right. Some of them can do really really, well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think I wonder if. I, I wonder if the TV show is ever going to make that distinction or not, or if that's a little bit too nuanced for it to matter in 
right? Because, it might like, be. Like, Lee didn't pick up on it. He thinks that they are the same thing, which, like, if you just are watching the show, I think is a completely right. fair read yeah. to have, because we have no other evidence that... Well, that and distinct at this even point. as as book readers, mm-hmm. you kind of go, eh, maybe they're just going to conflate that because yeah. we know that Nynaeve can channel, right? And yeah. they are clearly implying are at this point, which is also yeah. right. a little weird because um, Moraine, at least in in the books, can sense other channelers, mm-hmm. and so like her interaction with the wisdom and um, Egwene is like a little off for that i don't think so because she says you are very strong and i think she means that in two ways i think Mm -hmm. she means strength of character but also you are very strong in the power yeah Yeah. i also wonder too if like you know we were at the at the very end of the first part of this um lee was talking about just like the anger in Nynaeve that like i was so happy (laughs) i was so happy um but i wonder if there's a little bit of an explanation there that like a, it's just off-putting to Moraine. Like, yeah. why am I like, going really? a whole bunch of time with this person who seems to yeah. just be, like, reactionarily Difficult. angry, especially to me as an Right, Sedai. for something that I didn't mm-hmm. do, but yeah. my sisters did. Yeah, but also, could that anger be sort of masking or, like, skewing any sort of read on anything that she's getting with her? Like, yeah. you know, I, I know that's not, like, book canon, but you can... You can yeah. Make it up. Yeah. Get that that kind of... And they'll have to figure out what they're going to do with that mm-hmm. in terms of the, the show. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a really... I, only, I Like I said, Brie, I only saw the one thing that yeah. came up mm-hmm. on that. And we're going to talk about something that had yeah. thousands and thousands oh, and thousands Oh, there's so many that. things. I think before we get too far, yeah. you know, we need to address Layla because, oh my God, mm-hmm. that is... Probably where everybody is commenting. Yeah, the no. biggest thing on the internet yeah. is Perrin, why is Perrin married and why did he kill his wife? Like some why did he bridge his wife? Of, <laughs> yeah, some oh. variation of that tweet I read so many times I can't even yeah. see straight anymore. Um, yeah, what would you think? Brief. So I guess I'm going to go positive. I guess the, the first time that I saw it, when I, so reading spoilers before the show even came out that was like a unverified spoiler for a long time turns out to be true and i was like no this is gonna be terrible (laughs) oh i'm so unhappy about this and then i saw it and i was like eh doesn't really do it for me but okay and then i watched it again and i was like that really is a gut punch Mm -hmm. and i do think Mm -hmm. that it works well to set his character up Mm -hmm. and relatively straightforward now there are other ways in which they could have done this that might have had a similar impact on his character yeah but this i'm i'm curious to see where they pull it and where they they end up with it later with his later relationships with failey or fail or fail or or however they're gonna call her yeah bj um so what i was gonna say is i Really disliked it the first time I saw it. Watched it again, liked it better. Like I'm coming around to it. And, and again, you know, a lot of things like this are gonna happen. Some of them gonna be more accepting and probably with more watches, I'll be happier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, both the two of us have read the first book most recently. Mm-hmm. And I think that as, you know, we probably will mention a couple times, isn't the best way to approach the show. Yeah. Um, I, having read a little bit more and and I'm coming around to it. And I said when we first saw this, our first watch through that, it's like, oh, this is the easiest way to have Perrin be careful and also 
be weird about the future relationship mm-hmm. and not wanting to jump into mm-hmm. it. And I thought it was a little bit lazy, but then thinking about it, it's like, well, how are you going to do this? Do? Yeah. You yeah. can never get in his head. You're never going to be able to do that in a TV show in a good way. Yeah. And so I'm coming around to it. I still think it was a big departure. I'm curious what else they'll do with it, but it's a thing. So my read on it, I found it, it was, it was a jarring change when it, it first came out because they really do just drop it on right. you. Right. Quite like I guess, he has what a else, wife. How else would they do that too? Like yeah. you have to just know that. But I did not. Even on my first watching, I did not dislike it because what I started thinking about was that you know if you're thinking objectively about that first book, Perrin is not interesting until three quarters of the way through. A hundred percent. There is not. There is just nothing to care about. He is a blank freaking slate. That is just three quarters of cautious about everything. Boring from like the entire series. Well, and I think this well, improves him already. Yeah, I mean, he just like has things that happen to him. I suppose yes. three quarters right. of the way through the book that make him like but marginally more interesting. And he's so, constantly brooding about things, and yes. now this gives him a really good yeah. reason like to be brooding. To, yeah, instead of just angsty teenage brooding, yeah. which right. we get enough of from Matt. So like, I don't, I, or from I'm sorry, from Rand, Rand actually. Yeah. Rand yeah. was so, a whole drama child today. Yeah. yeah, and so and the other thing. That, that I think this was an interesting choice is um, one of the things that I hated for basically the entire series is he has these really cool powers that, you know, mm-hmm. be able to talk with wolves and, mm-hmm. and fight like a wolf that he's always reticent to use and it's never clear. It's always like him, him mm-hmm. in his head being like, well, like I'm big and strong and, and like I shouldn't use it because like wolves I said, so and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, just like, all right, dude, like, whatever. It's not interesting. Here, we have him kind of doing that. and, and Like, I he say, lets like, loose. I like, oh, young bull. Mm-hmm. And, like, him letting mm-hmm. loose. And it's like, okay, this actually has a better explanation for how he is than than the books do. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's I'm, it's jarring. It's yeah. hard. I, it's right. a big departure, I understand. But I also think it's it's part of one of the other departures um, that we talked a little bit about off pod mm-hmm. is that they have aged um, them up. Yeah. They have aged them up, right? And so, especially in a small town in a sort of medieval esque village setting, a twenty year old one of our twenty year olds would be married. Like right. it, it is, it would sense. not yep. be realistic. For in fact, it is kind of odd if they've been aged up in right. this society. It's a little bit odd that they're not all married. Right. Right. But. So, like, it actually also then works in that kind of, like, well, this is what we're doing with all of these characters. Right. And he's sort of the most straightforward one to think about that with the way that they put it together mm-hmm. in the show. Because you have Rand and Egwene, and right. Egwene is clearly not really feeling the mm-hmm. the relationship mm-hmm. that they grew up expecting to have. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Rand's all for it. Mm-hmm. But so they're not going to be married for that, that reason. Then Matt, as he stands in the show, is super poor. Like, what is yeah. he going to offer and to all, yeah, someone? Yeah, related to that, he's also kind of a, like, fly-by-night roustabout, right. too. So it doesn't really make sense. He's not he really attractive, per se. And, and helping raise the girls. And, yes. Yeah. And, so Perrin's the only one it makes right. sense. Right. And Nynaeve like, is the wisdom. Yeah, She's exactly. not going to marry. Right. Right. They have that change, which, like, is, fine. is perfectly yeah. fine. I, I don't think it's a big yeah. departure from the books. But I was going to say, also with Matt, is... He is a womanizer later, mm-hmm. like he does mm-hmm. sleep around, mm-hmm. and to have him married already 
would be super weird. Yeah, it'd be very, it'd be very So it makes sense for Perrin to be the one that's like, yep, I'm going to settle down. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, the internet is very concerned about this change. I am not concerned about this change. Yeah. And and so like, and and I think all of our disappointed dark friends, at least for the, this first episode and first couple are, it's not the book. And Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's not the book. It was never going to be the book. There's never any way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that hopefully as we go on, there'll be more interesting complaints or yes, something. Because right now it's just it, it is literally just what was changed or what wasn't in there. For example, yeah. the number of complaints about the skipping of the scene of uh, Rand bringing Tam down the mountain after the yeah, trauma right. attack. You like which oh, we all know why that didn't happen. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's boring as fuck. Like, <laughs> yes. well, two reasons. It's boring. It's boring and. It, it, t- it tells you who the Dragon Reborn is. And I think yeah. that there might have been a way to appease some of the, the book readers, which I would have enjoyed, where Tam says something while he's sick. Yes. Like something that, that references mm-hmm. the, the battle in the snow, and it doesn't tell you that like he found a baby mm-hmm. uh, on the, the, the slopes right. of Dragon Mount, I think it was, in the snow, and like have that it, it was just like you know he could have had like you know there was screaming in the silence of the snow or like whatever yeah. it was it would have appeased a bunch of people and yeah. because we also now don't get the like and it would have to be externalized in some way but we don't get Rand's whole internal conflict about like but he has to be my dad he's my right. dad right. i'm sure that will come out at some like we will get there but like but that's not yeah. currently now he yeah. has no idea and so like but it would have been Nice and, and, you know, a little bit of a spoiler, we don't get in any of the first three episodes that Moraine was specifically looking for somebody that was born outside the two rivers, mm-hmm. and that's kind of never addressed again other than when she talks to Nynaeve. Right. And so, like, some hints for everybody mm-hmm. would have been nice. good, I think. We yeah. might like, get there eventually, I guess. Right. You know? But I think that there's so many other things to cover that mm-hmm. now would have been the time to do it. Right. So that's we'll fair. see if they that's get fair. to it, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. So this is a completely random, goes sort of back to our previous one, but I was just looking at my notes and realizing. So one of the cool things that was a callback in the books to Maureen's sort of wilder power that she had before she went to the Mm -hmm. tower Mm -hmm. was basically being able to eavesdrop on people. Mm. And so it was a really funny thing that Rand was like, we don't know what she can hear. <laughs> and and it's like, oh my God, yes, that is in fact, that's yeah. her special thing, her trick that she yeah. does. And it, but everybody else around him is like... It's like, chill out, dude. Yeah. yeah. You're fine. So it was, it was a really funny little that just is, tidbit. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting. Anyway, more disappointed dark friends. What else do you have? Um. So... I think I, I have my own disappointed dark friends that we have talked about. We talked about in our trailer, one of our mm-hmm. trailer episodes. I think I want to save it for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, That's but fair. I do want to go back to the costuming yeah. again because now I have actually seen. Right. Uh, actually, I've seen three episodes worth of the yeah. costuming right. now, and I have long winded thoughts on them that I will try to trim down. I do want to highlight it though. Um, I stand by what I said in, the, in our trailer episode. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, but I do actually have some, I, I think it's serviceable, but I have some, some actual major concerns with it as well. Okay. Um, um so I think maybe the next, uh, episode will have both that and probably a lot of, uh, comments and, and complaints yes. and things about, about the, uh, equine 
characters that we have. Um, I was going to ask you about the horses. Yes. And I realized we actually don't get a whole bunch of We horse don't get much It's here. really the next episode yeah. of that. Yeah. Ramps we up. pretty much just get Bella here. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get and much else. Barely, really. Yeah. Um, BJ, do you have any disappointed dark friends you want to highlight bef- that you'll talk about in later episodes? Um, no, I mean, I, I think that that's pretty good for okay. now. Um, I mean, I have been reading a lot, and, and I think we've covered most of, like, the big complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, the the last thing that I will say that I'm trying to decide where I fall in, and I think it's really the most problem in the first episode, is pacing. Mm-hmm. It was always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really glad that Lee didn't find some of the pacing issues that I had to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's always going to be a little different, and so, you know, we'll see where we end up. Oh. So is your complaint that it was going too quickly? Too quickly and too slowly. Okay. Like, it, it just really, like, rubber-banded about, mm-hmm. where it was just, like, there were some things that, you know, felt a little slow in the, uh, in Two Rivers, and, and particularly mm-hmm. in the Wine Spring Inn, that, like, I was like, why do we need to have this? You know, why did we have this scene of Nynaeve scrubbing some pools? Mm-hmm. Like, you just needed to have that conversation. and. Well, I think that that scene we had so that she could go back, we knew where she was when she was fighting. Oh, interesting. So, so yeah. that's but, partly it. Yeah. But we're going to have some more callbacks in yes. the first season. Yes. Like, we've seen that in the trailer. It's almost definitely yes. going to come up. It just, I, I don't love that it was in the first episode because it's a bit of a non sequitur mm-hmm. and it makes it a little bit slower. And then like running up to like Moraine's like, all right, let's go. And they're like, all right, we're going to go when they're kind of distrusting. And it just, it felt like it was super quick. And I, I understand what you're saying about that. The reason that I, I bought that interaction and then leaving so quickly was that she does give the very cogent reason of like, these Trollocs are following you. You can stay here, but they're going to destroy everything right. here. And I feel like that was the, and she clearly yeah, knows. Like the linchpin yeah. Of, right. of that. Um, and the thing that, was it that wasn't really made clear is that the mirror dweller fade like was scouting out the town yeah. and they like in the books they have the conversation with her and she's like oh they're here for you and mm-hmm. like everything then falls into place and they're like oh okay we don't like it but we get it mm-hmm. whereas i feel like that wasn't there here and so it was a little rushed but... so i'm really glad though that lee was like yeah this makes yeah. sense like she's this really impressively powerful Mm -hmm. scary person Mm -hmm. that also seems like somebody they should trust and so she says let's go they go um one of the things that i think i'm i'm gonna be a little disappointed dark frontier is they they leaned hard into the source being all around moraine and like the fire and Mm -hmm. the clouds Mm -hmm. and everything else and less internal or like a source that you can touch but isn't actually visible to Mm -hmm. others and so like i'm a little bit disappointed by that because that's not how i visualize it Mm -hmm. but as i think about it it makes sense why they did it because you can sort of say the source is all around you yeah Yeah. and i think they need to have a way to like show it on the screen right Mm -hmm. um it's a little bit bigger than just like coming out of her hands yeah because that just is not Um, impressive like she needs to be powering up yeah and so um i will say that like they put this in and then didn't use it which frustrated me the little fat man that she like uh, the angriel. Yeah, it's an angriel. Uh, oh, yes. That, that yeah, she yeah. had in the beginning when she was getting dressed yeah. and then didn't pull it out but had the surgeon power. And it's clear that that surgeon power like was her using that. She mm-hmm. did it in the books. And they had her use it. Like, 
putting it in as she was getting ready and mm -hmm. like basically putting on her armor to like go out in the world and find the dragon and then didn't reference it. Mm -hmm. It was just like it's like you put in all this effort to set it up and then you didn't yeah. do anything with it. Yeah, I see but, that. You know, it's a minor complaint. Yeah. But then also yeah. I think people who would not have read the book or had not read the books might be confused by seeing her like pull out right. mid battle and be like, Oh, is that statue some source of power? And it's right. like, well, no, yeah. but it, it, yeah. that is a tricky nuance. Even, right. in, the, even in the books to yes, really 100%. explain is even like in the books, Maureen has a, I mean, she explains it. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. But, but she has to kind of, that it's like an amplifier. It. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it is a pretty nuanced thing. And then I think, you know, and this is going slightly spoilery into next episodes, but just like the show has put such a focus on the Aes Sedai hands mm -hmm. that kind of diluting that with another object right. would be is hard. not like narratively helping the way that they want to visually tell represent the these people. Right. So. so. Um, so let's do real fast yep. as we wrap up this our first episode, uh, full episode, um, from those of us who have also read at least one of the books. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a pure watching experience of this episode, I know you can't disentangle right, yeah, the yeah. book, but like just as a medium of entertainment, uh, one through ten, rate the episode. Brie. Ooh, as. So I would say, so where I'm coming from is I sat down and I meant to have some notes, even with the first episode. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'll note some stuff mm -hmm. down. Totally ended up not doing that. Like I was gripped. Yeah. And I think part of that is it was really good, but also like it was a little bit fast pacing. So you really had to watch to be able to get everything. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I still like absolutely loved this episode. And I think it was an awesome experience to watch. So for that, I would say it's like, an 8.5 out of 10 mm -hmm. for like where I think it could or should have been or the things that I would have liked to see from it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more like a seven, okay. um, but as a watching experience, it was, it was real good. Cool. BJ. Um, so I think on my first watch through, I probably would have said closer to a six out of 10, maybe even a little bit under, but like as I'm divorcing the, what everybody is saying on the internet, <laughs> these books, like it, it really doesn't, and um, I'm more of like a, a seven out of 10. I think that there are a lot of good things and I think, spoilers, the next two episodes improve. Yeah. Um, and so like low side of seven for okay. me. Yeah, I would, I think that any, any fantasy show, that first episode is just hard. Yeah, absolutely. It's just hard, whether you have source material you're working from or, or not, like, where you're going to land in relation to the book is difficult. And especially if you have people, you're trying to get an audience of people who haven't read the source material before. How are you going to draw them in and make sure that they are invested in the yeah. story? And I think that they didn't have, like some of the benefits that HBO and some other places had, they decided that this was going to be like a 55 minute show mm -hmm. that's really like for TV that will have commercials kind of thing. Yeah. And so that makes it so much harder where you can't, Go a little bit over, yeah. you know, do... Yeah, you know, here's just They're really tight. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is what I, we've decided right. we're going to do. Although I will say on that point, I really like that they're all 55-minute episodes. Yes. Like, there is something kind a of... A little less time commitment. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes those... 
They're like, a slog. Those, yeah, those episodes of Game of Thrones, as much as I love that series, even the last season, I will say, um, but some of those long episodes were just like, oh my god, really? Watching yeah. this right now? It's like, oh my god, well, um, watch like four weeks. Yeah. And the other thing that they had to sort of fight against for this is it's not just they have to introduce you to the entire world, but also they have a ton of major characters, right? Mm-hmm. Like none of these people that they've introduced are minor characters. No, they, and they, yeah. cause they, and they've slimmed down the world a lot. Oh, yeah. And everyone is important. Yeah. Um, so I would, I think for my viewing, I would give this like an eight to an eight and a half as well. Like I found it eminently enjoyable. Um, I have some problems with it. I have some problems that we will explore more in later episodes of this show. But like, mm-hmm. I just enjoy, like I loved the experience of sitting down to watch a new fantasy series that did not disappoint me and that was gripping. And I got to sit with my husband. I knew we were going to have this conversation. And like, show us I, that was just a fun experience. Yeah. So yeah. it feels like a long time since I've gotten a new fantasy series that I'm actually excited about. So this was, right. this was very And cool. isn't like, oh, this is hokey. Like, ooh. Uh-huh. Ooh. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Episode um, one in the... In the book. In the, in the wheel of time <laughs> in, in the weave. In, in the weave. Has we been woven? Bound off. We gotta go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to talking about the next episode with you. Absolutely. Absolutely.